If I can be a winning Ryder Cup captain away, so it is an exceptionally big deal and it, and it adds a lot to my legacy. For the best Ryder Cup build-up reaction and exclusive interviews, go to otbsports.com forward slash golf weekly and become an official friend of the pod now. Hello there, episode 20 of the Football Pod. Paddy Andrews has called it a milestone and he's flown home from holidays in Italy. Are you home early, Paddy, or are you home late? I can't tell. I cut a trip short in the Melbourne Coast just to come back and record with the land. The things I do for the Football Pod, phenomenal. Talk to us, did you have a good time? I had a great time. I had a, yeah, it was great crack. Um, nice first holiday since... Uh, since COVID, so a bit nice change of scenery. Lads, I, I couldn't, I'm not mess. This pod is huge in Italy. Yeah. Oh, Andy Moore. The amount of people looking for Andy Moore around Positano. It was, it was all the rage. They're asking about what he's going to do next. When's the next episode out? Yeah, the football pod's gone international. <laughs> Great to see, lads. And is that a turtleneck jumper? Sit back there, I can't see. No. <laughs> oh, I thought it was. I thought you were dressing like your, uh, your namesake, no, no. Andy Del Piero. No, 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 not, not, not on that fair yet. Yeah, so first holiday, I had to, I had to do a double take there when you said it's first holiday, but then I suppose when you were in Kerry earlier this year, it was kind of continental, but, you know, yeah. it, he, hadn't, he hadn't left the country. We're talking about getting out of Ireland. Yeah. Kerry is lovely, these, but it's not, it hasn't got a lot of hey, Tommy, these dogs don't rate mini bricks. Just, no, they don't, they don't, they don't, don't even count. They don't even count. Andy, you, you haven't jetted off yet anywhere, have you? You're too busy with football and everything. Yeah, no, the club championship the weekend, boys. Yes, uh, yes, we coming. Yeah, so the old club championship starts this weekend. So, okay. yeah, we're busy. Um, so try to get prepared for that. Best of luck with that, Paddy. Are you playing club championship anytime soon? We haven't been speaking about your own club career in the last couple <laughs> big, of weeks. You've big, gone very quiet in that front. Big reveal after quarantine since I got back from Italy for fourteen days. So I don't know if I'll be able to make the club stuff. Okay. Uh, and we move swiftly on. <laughs> we'll have to move on from that one. Okay. All Can right. You so this. this out, like, you edit yeah. all my good stuff out. You can't keep that in. No, I'll, I'll, I'll save your good stuff. Okay. A year, so, out, a year out for the wolf, unfortunately. This is episode 20 of the Football Pod with Paddy and Andy. I'm going to let everyone know that this is going to be the end of season one after today's episode, but it is not the end of the Football Pod with Paddy and Andy because we're coming back with season 1.5. That's going to bring us to winter. The two lads are sticking with us. And we've got, I think we've got 10 weeks. We've got 10 episodes planned between next week. We're not taking a break next week until just just about up to Christmas. So we've got a couple of really interesting bits planned. So make sure you subscribe and share the podcast if you're enjoying it. And even if you're not enjoying it, just hit subscribe. It's free. It doesn't cost did you, you know, Did you know about these extra episodes, Andy? I didn't know. I told you to break, Paddy. I told you to break. Andy's trying to get a holiday in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind. But it works around Paddy, so yeah, I'd be allowed a belt. Oh, we're all friends here, lads. So this week we are picking the football pod team of the year. And we're gonna go through a couple of awards from the season that just gone by. We're gonna have a wee bit of a chat about some of the bits and pieces that have come up over the years, some of the themes, some of the topics, and some of the key moments. So I think we may as well just get straight into it, lads. There's no point hanging around and chatting about anything else. We're going to get straight into the football pod team of the year. And what we're going to do is I've asked Andy to go off and pick 15. And I asked Paddy to go off and pick 15. And lo and behold, Paddy has done his homework. So we're going to start with Andy and then Paddy's going to come in. And then we're going to see if we got to make any changes. Now, one thing I've learned over the last year is that used to are aligned in your way of thinking. So I'm not expecting many changes to be made with this team. I'm expecting to be a very amicable 15 minutes here as we talk about your players of the season. So Andy Moran, take it away. Your football pod team of the year. 
Yeah, so correct me if I'm wrong here, Tommy, when I'm streaming them out, so I sent it through to you. So, yeah. Niall Morgan in goals, Tom Sullivan, uh, Kerry, cornerback, Hamsey fullback, Lee Keegan, cornerback, okay. um, McGeary, Tyrone, uh, right half back, Stephen Cohn, centre half back, and Peter Hart, left half back. Okay. Uh, Kilpatrick, uh, Tyrone, and Manny Ruan in the middle of the field. And then right half forward, we've obviously Myler, Rhino Donahue Mayo, and then Connor McKenna, Tyrone. And then we have uh, McCurry, uh, Clifford and Tommy Conroy Mayo. Right. Okay. Before we get to Paddy's team and before we go through the players one by one, let me count how many Mayo lads you have there. One, two, five, three, five, four, five. 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 Could, right. I could, okay. I couldn't put in any Mead miners in it. So I. Right. Just, okay. You know, I, I will. I wasn't going to mention me this week. You, but thank you. You have to meet ladies team as well, Tommy. <laughs> thank you for doing it for me. Yeah, I probably would actually going off the year they had. So that's that's an interesting team, Andy. And uh, we're going to go through your players blow by blow in a few minutes. Paddy, let me hear your team, and I want to. I'll be picking out any differences. So Andy's gone. But just to recap: Niall Morgan in goals, Tom Sullivan, Podrick Hampsey, Lee Keegan, Kieran McGeary, Stephen Cohen, Peter Hart, Con Kilpatrick, Matt Ruan, Connor Myler, Ryan O'Donoghue, Connor McKenna. Darren McCurry, I presume it's David Clifford and not Paddy at 14. David Clifford, yeah. And then Tommy Conroy at 15. Paddy Andrews, who have you gone for? And I have your team in front of me here, so no change in live oh, on there. there. <laughs> Scribbling away furiously here. No, it's pretty similar. Uh, Morgan and Goal, uh, obviously we, we touched on it before the semi that it was kind of a shootout between Morgan and Henley for that. So, so Morgan obviously won that battle in the final. Tom O'Sullivan was brilliant for Kerry, I thought, and did a brilliant job on McCurry, who... No one else really managed to do throughout the whole championship. Uh, I've McNamee in. You didn't have McNamee or did you? No, I didn't have McNamee. No. I've McNamee in. I thought he was very good for them throughout the season, even though he had a pretty, pretty tough task at David Clifford in the semis. But uh, I thought he stuck with that well and got up for a point in that game. Hamsey obviously was brilliant. I've Lee Keegan out at wing back, just because you can do that with the All Stars, just plug mm-hmm. that in. <laughs> Stephen Cohen as well. I thought he was. I thought he had a brilliant, brilliant year from AO. Uh, McGeary, I have him at wing back because I thought that was probably his best performance in the Ulster final, along with the, the Donegal game. Same midfield, Ruan and Kilpatrick. Kilpatrick, yeah. look, I wasn't going to be leaning towards him, but he's such a massive final. Um, and he also called out Andy Moore on Instagram, which gives him bonus points. Yeah, he gave Andy a bit of lip as well, so that that kind of nailed it for him. He's in in the run for Player of the Year now as well. Myler um, <laughs> wing forward, I put Sean O'Shea in. Uh, I thought he was brilliant all season for Kerry. All through the National League, all through the Championship, even though I thought Hampsey probably got the better of him a little bit in the semi-final, uh, I thought still he was one of Kerry's leaders that day. I think he scored eight. He scored eight that day. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I've Sean O'Shea in. I've actually Niall Sludden at wing forward. I thought he had a brilliant final okay. uh, and kind of grew into the Tyrone team. I always thought he was a very good player. And once Tyrone... Probably the early part of their season with a lot of kicking and things like that. Maybe wasn't suiting him as much, but he definitely grew into the team and was was key for them and getting over the line. Uh, so I've slowed in. And then full forward line, Clifford, David, obviously, Ryan is on a hoop. Same as Andy, just have him inside. And uh, Dazzler McCurry. The Dazzler. Okay. Uh, All right. So two very interesting teams. Um, we have agreement on 12. Yeah. And then there's three positions up for grabs. And I think there's a couple of shouts for players that you may have missed out on that I might throw into the mix as well. So let's start with our defense there. Like 
Okay, let's talk about a team of the year for, for, for a start. Andy, do you think positions matter now in Gaelic football? Like, is it too regimented when we're picking a team of the year? Gaelic football isn't so much something now where we see 15 players and two number two marking number 15 and number four marking number 13. And, you know, the word we've used a lot this year is transitional players, and especially when it comes down to Tyrone players and the Mayo players, that's probably going to cause us, you know, a, a couple of positional choices here when it comes to some of those players because they did it interchange a lot and they alternated a lot and they also complemented each other a lot in their positions so did that cause you issues when you're making your decisions this year no the the, the argument with the positions I thought it was easier this year obviously you have the the four Tyrone boys uh, which are mixing into our team McGeary, Hart Sludden and Myler they play in any position around 5, 7, 10 and 12 the traditional positions but the likes of Tom Sullivan Hamsey Lee Keegan Stephen Cohn uh, they, they play the midfielders play in their positions McCurry's an out and out inside forward mm-hmm. uh, Clifford is an out and out inside forward so I think positions matter to a certain degree the way Paddy has switched Lee Keegan to, to number 5 obviously he marked Shane Walsh at the time he's played out there I don't yeah. think it really matters in that Hamsey mm-hmm. Uh, for example, would have played wherever Michael Murphy played or wherever Conor McManus played. So th- there is certain positions you can move, and I think you have to have respect for that. But I think it's interesting that the two of us went for Thomas, Tom, Tom Sullivan from mm. Kerry because mm. for me, he had the best defensive performance I've seen all year in that semi-final against McCurry. McCurry, we, we said it after him, three possessions for the whole, whole first half, and in two of them, Sullivan was so so close to him that he had to just throw the ball away. Like that's and like we're talking about McCurry, who's going for footballer of the year here. He's a serious player, and this guy just did a job on him, and it was just brilliant. I thought he did an exceptional year. So I do think positions matter, uh, uh, like ninety percent of it. But there is certain players then, like Miner, probably did a lot of his good stuff at wing back. I am yeah. that wing forward. McGeary could have done a lot of his good stuff like on Gavin White and wing forward. Paddy has him a wing back or centre back. So you can change a few of them, but more so the full back, midfield and full forward lines usually stay around their position. Okay, so when we're looking at that full back line, lads, like Paddy, you've both picked Tom Sullivan. You've both picked Padraig Hamsey. Hamsey was the captain for Tyrone this year and boy, did he lead by example. And never mind that, the points that he scored... Like I know, I know they're icing on the cake, but there were more than that. Like he set the tone with that score against Mayo. I think that made it put them three two ahead when he slotted that point at the outside of his right boot ten minutes into the game. Like Hamsey played an incredible role this year when it comes to pulling out the main men. Was he a was he a no brainer in your in your mind? Naturally, Paddy, oh, he was. The way the way I, I looked at it, uh, you kind of pick the absolute nailed on guys and then get them in the team and then see what's left over and kind of slot in guys around that Hamsey. Yeah. All Ireland won a captain, huge leader for them. Like he did the, the donkey work between himself and McNamee. They were taken out of the, the opposition threats. And then I touched on this last week and why I felt Tyrone were comfortable in winning that final in the end because their, their technical ability, they can do it either way. If you want to have a fight with them, they'll have a fight with you. If you want to play football, they'll play football with you. And Mayo probably lacked that a little bit uh, to, to Tyrone's level. And Hampsey is the absolute epitome of that. He'll take out... Like some of his marketer, Tommy Conroy, um, Murphy, uh, Murphy, obviously, uh, Conor McManus, Sean O'Shea. Sean O'Shea, he got a better at that. And Sean O'Shea, been, I have him in my team because I thought he's one of the top forwards this season. So he was doing that stuff, but he was going up kicking outside of the right foot from, from 40, 45 yards. But the technical ability to do that, 
the mentality to, to deal with the opposition's main threat and just the leadership of, of captaining the team to win the All-Ireland. He, between himself, Morgan, Clifford and McCurry, and, and to be fair, Myler, those guys were, were straight. They, they were absolute no-brainers. It was the other 10 that you were kind of having a look at going, who, who's in now? So Hampsey was, for me, nailed on. The thing with Hampsey, uh, Tommy, is that you can have any formation you want, you can have any tactical battle you want, but if you don't have fellas that can go in and mark Michael Murphy, mark Conor McManus, mark Sean O'Shea, and mark Tommy Conroy, um, like that was a matchup I'd never seen happen. I could not believe the speed when Tommy Conroy took Hampsey up the inside line in the first half and he stuck with him. I literally couldn't believe it. So you can have all the tactics you want, you can have all the systems you want, all the style of play you want, but if you don't have a man that can go in and mark these guys, everything else falls apart. And in any other given year, Hampsey would be probably my footballer of the year, but it's just that I think them guys around, the McGeary's, the Milers, these guys were actually more important to the team than Hampsey. And that's the reason I would go for uh, somebody else as my MVP. But he's a stonewaller for that team. Yeah, yeah, he really is. Hampsey's obviously part of that Toronto 21 team that won a, an All-Ireland against Tipperary late on in 2015. They bet them 111 to 13 points. And Hampsey was on that team. McShane and Burns were in midfield. Myler was wing forward. Mark Bradley was on that team. Lee Brennan was on that team as well. So he's one of those boys. Um, and he's a mainstay on this team. So like we've settled on Niall Morgan. Like there's no question in terms of Morgan's influence on the game so far this year as well. Like, there's no point even talking really much more about Niall Morgan. We raved about him in the after the final. Well, on, it, Tommy, the final. on it, Tommy, and this is where the All-Stars comes down to this a lot. Mm. Guys can have brilliant seasons, but the, the final is a massive swing. And, and you could say that's probably fair. It is the biggest game. It's the biggest stage. And if you deliver in that game, you deserve extra credit. But then I've seen in years where guys were brilliant all season, they have a quiet final and they lose out. And we touched on this in the build-up to the final. It was a, it was 50-50 between after what Henley had done in the, in the semi-final against Dublin and what Morgan had done. Whoever had the better final there was going to have a huge influence on the team winning the game, but also was probably going to nick that, that all-star as well. And there's no, no doubt about it, Morgan had a, had a brilliant final. For a goalkeeper to have the influence that he had on the final uh, was exceptional. And, and then on the flip side, Henley probably, he looked back on that final with regrets, particularly around, around the first goal chance. But that's how fickle, <laughs> I suppose, the All-Stars can be. A bad final or a good final like Kilpatrick who definitely I wouldn't have thought would have been in either of our teams has a monumental final, helps swing it for his team. And now he's kind of, you could not have an all-star team without a minute, you know? So that's how quickly it can swing. Okay. Yeah, after the Ulster final, Tommy, I thought Began was a, a stonewall for it, if I'm being honest. Really? Uh, the two boys have unbelievable semi-finals, And then the two of them, like, and then Morgan is an unbelievable final. And Began then isn't even in the reckoning. It's funny how it, it switches. I just thought Began had done so much in that Ulster final. I thought he he's on here, do you know? Um, but I'm, then there's it, 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 such an influence then from then on. I'm not sure if, if you've heard many of the interviews that the Tyrone boys have done after the All-Ireland, but we had Niall Morgan on the Monday afterwards. Um, and he, was, he appeared a few other places as well. But he spoke about Brian Dewar pulling them after the, the Ulster final against Monaghan. And, say, and it wasn't the first time that year. I think he, he pulled them after the Kerry game as well. And he said, the league game. And he told them, he had told them, he warned them after the Kerry game to relax in the kickouts, to to stop trying the the uh, the difficult passes, the over-difficult passes. And he said after the Monaghan game, he said, you played Rory Began today. Like. You went against Began. You were more interested in taking down Began than you were the rest of the team. So I think Morgan had to strip it back a wee bit and have a look at his own game. 
And like when you look at the pass that he laid on a plate for McCurry, and we spoke about it in the last day that McCurry could have picked it up or he could have buried it. That would have been some goal. Like we would have been talking about that goal for a long time. The goalkeeper intercept, intercepting a ball, playing a 50-yard diagonal pass, McKenna flicking it onto McCurry. So I think Morgan's influence, I don't think there, there's not going to be arguments like we had in 2017 when David Clark pipped Stephen Cluxon to no, All-Star no, Award. Because like, that went down to the wire that year. But I think that's a very good point. Like Morgan has stripped back his game. Like I do honestly think goalies, you know, you always all heard that one that they're a bit mad, but they are a tiny bit different. And I do think they mature over over the years as well. Mm. They, they, they do because they come in with a, a form on how they want to play and then they kind of, they edge it then towards what it, what it should be. And Morgan, like I told the story my last year up in Healy Park and we're shouting, leave it to the keeper, leave it to the keeper. And he runs by me and he kicks it over the bar and he goes, the man marked me around these parts more, he said. You know, and it doesn't run back to goals. It himself, McNamee and himself start roaring laughing. Now, we were winning the game, but the three of us, like, what could you say to him? You know, and he goes back and he runs back to his goal. But there was none of that this year. And that's lovely to watch and it's great to see in the keeper. But primarily, that's not his job. And Dewar was, what he's saying to him there against, he, he didn't want him to go back into that element again where he's yeah. out to be the footballer. He needed him to be the playmaker from the back, and it, you you could see his development. And I, I often reference the one the high catch he caught against Monaghan, and he punches the air. Like they were the things he was getting criticised for, and they were the things he nailed. And listen, he, he's I, I don't think there's going to be a person in the country that doesn't have him in his team. You know, a hundred percent. I actually it was quite telling. He spoke about feeling like teams were targeting him and feeling like the media were giving him grief for his kickouts, and he really focused on that this year. So, like. Morgan in that interview as well speaks about the Bally Buffet game and Andy, you know all about doing this to the crowd but Jim McGuinness chasing him down the line and uh, giving him stick that day in Donegal and saying you'll regret that. So, uh, Niall Morgan, congrats. You're definitely in our team of the year in the football pod this year. Thomas Sullivan is in the mix. He's definitely in. Padraig Hampsey's in the mix. Kieran McGeary, definitely on our team of the year. Wing back. I think we've spoken about the influence yeah. he had in that Kerry game. Stephen Cohen, is in both of your teams. Paddy, can you tell me what you saw on Stephen Cohen this year? I just thought he, he and this is what can happen when, and Andy, you'll know more about this, but when senior players step away from a team, it gives, it leaves a vacuum in terms of leadership, in terms of Mayo obviously had a huge turnover of players at the end of last season. Dublin have had it as well. And it allows guys who have potential and they're serious guys to step up and be, become new leaders in that team. And I just felt that his semi-final performance against Dublin, where he's being asked to man mark guys, and he's probably not, he's not the quickest. He's not, and and teams might look at that and say, we can if we get someone quicker on him and we isolate him, we, we we can definitely take advantage there. But he was absolutely monumental in that in that arguably one of Mayo's greatest victories. He was the absolute forward in that, and he carried that on into the final. We touched on on the final last week, and we're saying. X, Y, and Z, probably 10, 11, 12, Tyrone players won their individual battles. And, and, and what Mayo players could say, they did that. And I thought Lee Keegan and, and Stephen Cohen absolutely did that. And I felt, even though he's been around a long time, it, it's nearly like a breakout year for him. He, he was leading that defence. And I just feel he matured. He strikes me as quite a mature guy anyway, Andy. Um, mm. I, I don't know him that well, but just from kind of looking at him from afar and playing against him. He seems like a leader in the team and he absolutely showed that in his performances. I thought he was brilliant in the rear guard and shutting down Dublin in that second half and an extra time, along with his teammates, but but I thought he was to the fore. And I thought he had a really, really good final, even though Mayer were up against it. 
And like I said, there, there's not many Mayo players that would look back on that game last Saturday week ago and say, I played really well, but both himself and Keegan, I felt did, and I have both of them in. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, goal, like for me, I've seen Mayo quite a lot this year. And Tommy, you probably have as well. Mm. The the three best players for me all year were Stephen Cole, Matty Rowan, Ryan O'Donoghue. By by a distance, one kill, once Killian got injured, they were the three guys that kept me all going. And the, the interesting thing about them, Bar, I suppose they the Tyrone probably got the better in midfield against uh, in the final, but in the Galway game, in the Tyrone game, the three big games and the Dublin game, Stephen Cohen was in our top three, four players mm. every time, every single time. And for me, he was just uh, the amount of fires he put out, lads, in the at the final. Tommy, you say you were up in the Hogan stand. And that kick happened more than four or five times. Like that kick happened seven, eight times. And the amount of fires he put out himself was was unbelievable. He nearly put out the fire then for, for McCurry's goal as well. He was he was so close to getting that, but that was just the one that he missed out in the centre. So I, I just thought he was outstanding for the year. I thought he, he as, as Paddy said, it's interesting that Paddy would spot that. He's the leader of that team. Um, he holds the centre. The boys all trust him around the place and the team doesn't function without him. And one thing I'd say he brought to his game this year was that he's actually a really good foot passer and shooter, but he used to go sideways a lot. And this year it was more, he was going forward, he's breaking lines, he was getting the ball to the boys early, he was doing nice kick pass and I thought that's what he added to his game and that's what made him a tiny bit different, a tiny bit better this year. But you know what, Andy, he's probably forced it because if you look at, at Colin Boyle and Keith and... Mm. Uh, Tony Vaughan those were the guys that you probably didn't need to do that have that those games because those guys were driving that forward yeah. and when those guys step away you you need younger players to come through and take on the mantle and even though like I say he's been around a while I felt it was literally a breakout year from that he's a real leader in that male team and he's the anchor of that defence Lee is obviously a little bit older Stephen Cohen's going to be leading that defence for for the for guts of the next couple of years and, and if Mayor were going to get where they need to get to, he's going to be a key part of it. But I, but I thought he definitely deserves one this season um, for his performances. On Kieran McGeary, I love the way he plays football. He plays with his chest out and mm. he's a lot of go forward about him. But the job that he did, I think, in various games this year, like Myler was detailed with picking up a very specific player in each game and he did an incredible job. I think Kieran McGeary had a different performance in the Donegal game very much that he did in the semi-final against Kerry and even a different game not as effective but still very good in the, in the All-Ireland final as well you saw the point he scored in the All-Ireland final the job he did changed very much after Murphy went off but he still had a good game up to that and then obviously in that semi-final 40 possessions like any word on Kieran McGeary before we move on to our decision between Peter Hart or Rona McNamee or what we're doing with this defence uh, can we mention our MVP uh, we'll save that let's save it because right, we'll you've, you've, got different, you've got different actually, MVPs you've got uh, different MVPs well, it's of, we do I think do we I think so I think we do we'll touch on McGarry's definitely in the mix I, I, there's usually there's three nominees for player of the year isn't there yeah McGarry will definitely be he'll be in that but we'll chat about it later on yeah so what are we doing with our defence are we sticking with Paddy slipping Lee Keegan into wing back and starting Ronan McNamee or are we starting Peter oh, Hart? Do we need to decide? Yeah, that's what we're doing. Oh, hey, listen. You're, you're the adjudicator. You're no. The, listen, you. Our, listen, you change our contracts every week. You, you can change this team. But sure, like, uh, like you, know, you know what I'm going to pick. Like, I, like, you're, I'm just you're, gonna... you're saying a straight shootout between Peter Hart or Ronald McIntyre. Well, uh, you kind of changed it by putting Lee Keegan to wing back. I would have kept 
Keegan in the in the fullback line. Seeing if that's no, where he's making. I want, want to back, <laughs> back to me in. I want to back uh, to me. My, my case, my, my case for Hard. My case for Hard. Massive play against Kerry with the lockdown. Uh, yeah. did, did something similar against Armagh. I don't know if you remember back in the league. Blocked and kick, kicks the next score. Mm. Massive score off the mark in the final. Unbelievable. And that's the first, the it was the first. Point, it was the first point of the second half. They needed a score. And he goes up 63, what was it, 64th minute, catches the ball on the edge of the square. Get one stat, like it probably was over with the goal, but he he's the nail in the coffin. They give him the ball in tight situations. For me, he, he, he's an outstanding footballer. I thought he was just brilliant right throughout the year. So that's why I'd have Hart. Um, but Paddy can make the case for McInerney. No, no, I guess <laughs> we were chatting about this after, you're trying to land me in. Peter Hart is, is a phenomenal player. But... And this, this can, I feel, work against players when it comes to the All-Stars. Like, this was not his best season. And his standards are so high, I don't think he... Yes, he had massive moments, and that score was a big thing. But we're used to Peter Hart being the absolute dominant player in the Tyrone team. And similar, we'll touch on Maddie Donnelly later on as well. Those guys have had such highs and have such high standards. I, even though he was important and he had a good season, and we'll touch on it, why I don't have a Dublin player in it later on when we get to the forwards. Their standards are so high and they're such good players that even though if this was his debut season, he'd be going, Peter Hart's definitely in. But I don't think he reached his peak this season despite Tyrone winning. And I felt McNamee probably did to a little bit more of an extent. And that's why I think Peter Hart would probably get one. I think that they'd probably get one of the official ones. But we all know the, the football pad is the main one. Uh, that's why I want McNamee in. I thought he stuck to his task against David Clifford. Despite despite being under severe pressure and still show great leadership, and he took out Aidan O'Shea in that final. Um, we, great we, we, we have we have a decision to make. Now the two of us have a mm. different person at wing forward. I think. Yeah, you do. Sorry, yeah. Right. So we have a different person at wing forward. Um, so if we put McNamee in, we could always also put Hart into that. Yeah. Uh, we, could. Could. we certainly could. Is, we need to talk some journalists. Is this how they actually pick the All Stars? Lads sit in the room. I, 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 I think there's great. about. Moving lads around. I wouldn't change I don't know. Yeah, look, we're going to have to find out. We're going to have to do a, a 30 for 30. Well, Tommy, who you, who you, let's go through it. Let's go midfield. Come on, we'll go through it. Okay. I, I think you're. I think you're right. That's why I asked you the question about interchangeable positions, and that's why I think it comes into it with this. I think those wing backs and that wing forward position had a massive impact on it and I'm going to clip Paddy Andrews on what he said earlier on when I asked him for his underrated player of the year and I'm going to ask him why he didn't pick Peter Hart because I actually think Paddy may have missed the influence that Peter Hart had this year because when we're talking about Tyrone winning in All-Ireland and you're right in saying that the level that Peter Hart and Matty Donnelly hit this year was different wasn't as good as previous years because they were absolutely epic in previous years yeah but I actually think their influence was so much more important this year. And that can be kind of understated or underrated a little no, bit as well. Probably, and I think, I don't I think, agree, I don't think you. that Tyrone team win in All-Ireland without Maddie Donnelly and Peter Hart. I agree with you. I agree with you. I'm mm. not saying, that I thought they both had good seasons, but not to the highest level that they were at before. I know they're being asked to play a different role because other guys have come through and stood up and they didn't, they didn't need to both of them be the main man. And that's... I think that's a positive thing as well that it's they're not letting ego get in the way and saying I'm going to be the main man here. They've done the hard yards, but I don't think Peter Hart. I, I would have had McNamee in that team instead. And maybe you're right when we get to wing forward, where he probably played more of the stuff. 
there's a decision to be made. I went with Niall Sludden, but just for his final influence, I thought he had a brilliant final. But yeah. Potentially, you could swap him there as well. So, this is probably with Tyrone trying to pick. They, they play everywhere. <laughs> they play all the different positions. That's yeah. the thing. That's the thing. Okay, look, we'll, we'll save our decision then for a wee while, right? Are we? Let's let's just talk midfield for a couple of minutes because let me put it to you this way: If Brian Kennedy had uploaded that photo to Instagram and tagged you in it, would you have gone for Kennedy? <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I thought it. Uh, to be honest, for taking his top off in the final, he probably deserved it. No, he, uh, <laughs> he looked good now. To be fair, he, he uh, did. But no, I thought he was outstanding. Like I like, I thought Kennedy was really really good, and at times was actually. They're, they're very similar stature of men in the thing, so you have to double take on them sometimes. Mm. So, so look, but the two goals in the final, the two goals come, come directly from Kilpatrick. He turns Conor Loftus over in the in the D, run through it, and unbelievable turnover, chase and turnover. And uh, and you have to remember he was on Maddie Ruan. So like unselfish, went after Loftus, did a great job and him, turned him over. They get the goal on the on the transition. And then he catches the, the kick out from Morgan that it sets him on the way. So Listen, like you're on about plays and moments and hitting and belting and frustrating the star man and hammering the hammer. And he went out and he, he went after Matty Ruan. Did Matty Ruan got a great job done on him and then went and uh, and probably set up the two goals. So that to me is enough to get an All Star team any day of the week. So I was nailed on, but but if you look at the Tommy, you're going, who else are we going to put in there? And this this is what I I was looking at in terms of. Fenton has been, without a doubt, the absolute standard bearer for the last five, six, six years. 2015 was his debut. Nailed on. The best midfielder in the country. Has a quiet year by his standards by, and, and Dublin as a whole, by their standards, weren't as good as they have been previously. So if you take him out, sorry, some car getting robbed out. So I'm in the city centre here in Dublin. Like You never know what's going to happen. Um, so Fenton's now not the dominant figure on the basis of, of what we've seen this summer, he will be back without a shadow of a doubt. But then you're looking at who's going to fill the midfield spots. Ruan has a breakout year with a brilliant Connacht final and, and an excellent performance in the semi-final against Dublin. Even though he's quiet in the final, the fact that there's no one else beating the door down. Like Kerry struggled at midfield, I thought David Moore had a quiet year again. He struggled throughout it. Maddie Tierney, I think, from Galway is going to be an excellent player, but Galway collapsed in the Connacht final. Yeah. So Ruan, on the basis of his Connacht final and semi-final get in, and Kilpatrick and Kennedy, we were touching on it all season. We felt that was an area that Toronto were going to struggle in in the All-Ireland Final. And credit to that man, he had a monstrous final. He made the massive plays that get them over the line. So outside of those two, I'd be struggling to find anyone else other than that. Not to take away from them, but um, I thought that was a pretty straightforward after the All-Ireland Final that those two guys were going to be midfield. Agreed. And I, lo- I love the way that... You can play positions differently. Like if you look at Fenton, yes, of course he's glorious in the air and he can Rolls Royce, but he's, mm. a, he's a ball player. And you look at James McCarthy, he's a role, Joe. They're ball players, and then you go with two big men in the middle of the field, and then all of a sudden, is this going to come become popular again? Where Joe, you, know, you can you know, kick the ball out with distance, high field, and work off them. I love the way the game can change through a tactic from a manager from yeah. players that they put in. Would you like to know who you picked in your team of the year in midfield and in the league? And I know it doesn't, it obviously doesn't make a difference when it gets decision. Oh, but so we had to put in all four divisions and all. So it's not like for like apples and oh, Go for it. I'm interested though. Go for it. He's, yeah. he's trying to throw us under the bus, Andy. I'm he? not trying to throw you under the bus at all, Paddy. Geez, you always think I'm coming with a with a, <laughs> a dodgy thing. Where's Paddy's team here? Paddy, 
you went with Michael Langan and Reno O'Neill. So there's two boys that were flying earlier on in the league and they were actually really exciting to watch. Like Langan had those, I think you can remember the two goals. I don't, I don't think we can argue with either. <laughs> no, no. No. The no. National League, they were yeah. spectacular. But this Absolutely. is what I've had, tell me. You come to the championship, Donegal fall flat again. Yeah. Or if Langan even gets nominated, he'd be saying he'd be doing well. Like. Yeah. Well, I think Reno O'Neill will be nominated because I thought he was outstanding even yeah. in, in that epic game probably the game of the championship up in the game in the athletic rounds the, the Monaghan Armagh game he was outstanding in that I know we've we've a couple of awards later on the pod we'll get to but yeah I would wholeheartedly stand over at the end of the National League that those two boys were, were brilliant oh definitely oh they were and they were very exciting to watch as well and Andy you went for Langan too and I actually I can't figure out which one is the edit and which one is the real one you picked Jeremy <laughs> O'Connor but I can't remember if it's Mayo or Kerry you've got four different teams in like. yeah I think it was Kerry's Jeremy O'Connor that you went well, for. yeah it was Jeremy yeah, it was, it was yeah. O'Connor uh, you mentioned nobody else like I, I'm trying to think of the team of the year that I read that had David Moran it's Carol Kane in the Irish News that David Moran in his team of the year talking about Moran's performance against Cork and when I read it and I saw it I was like she said, am I am I missing how well Moran played this year? But I think when you're talking about the peak and the 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 level that players can get to, I don't think we saw the best of David Moran this year. No, but David Moore did some really good things. If you're looking at the traditional midfielder, mm. just playing in the middle of the field and catching and stuff. And some people came out of the Tyrone game against Kerry and thought David Moran was very influential in the best midfielder in the show. Yeah. And that, that's fine. And I can see their point of view. But what I'm saying is the game has moved away from that. You have to be able to do, as a midfielder, you have to be able to, like Kilpatrick didn't just go out and Kennedy and catch ball and flick it on and lay it forward. They took out their two running midfielders. They went man to man with yeah. two absolute athletes and they, they did the job on them. And they set up scores, they stopped scores, they got turnovers. Like they did five different jobs. The, the role has moved from yeah. just being very aesthetically pleasing, going up, catch a ball and, and laying it off. That role, that's gone. Um, so you have to be able to add more to your game. But that, Tommy, you, we, we touched on it with, with different players and like, like Myler as an example. The best players, the top, top players can do it anyway. Mm. And we say, you talk about Fenton, who was the for me the pinnacle and still he's a Rolls Royce on the ball. But if you put a ball out sixty yards into the sky, he'll come up and he'll catch that as well. Yeah. You're talking about we were at the Mead game, the, the Leicester semi final, Tommy, where you were all getting very excited. Mead had a bit of a run on it. And Kevin Cumber puts a big one out when the pressure is on and Fenton goes up like yeah. something from the sixties or seventies. In fact, like old school and catches it. He yeah. can tackle that's whatever the game requires the best players can adapt. Mm. If it's a shootout, we'll do that. If it's a fight, we'll do that. If it's short kickouts to the pockets and we need to run onto it, we'll do that. Or if you want to go long, we'll do that as well. So that's, and that's the key thing with Kilpatrick, you're saying, is he just a boomer? Is he a bit of a, a bit of a dog in a, in a way? But no, he, he, he proved in the final, he can mix it as well. Um, and that's, I think those two boys, I thought Ruan up to the final, even though he struggled. Yeah. I thought his brilliant, the Connacht final. He's sensational. Yeah. Was one of the best individual performances and that's probably enough to get get, get those two boys in. I, I, one, the one thing on David Moore is that with Dewar and Logan, they built the tactic that works and we've said this so often around Kilpatrick and Kennedy where Kerry played a tactic that simply didn't suit David Moore. Mm-hmm. And that's not entirely David Moore's fault. Do I think David Moore is... is 
finished as an intercounty footballer? Absolutely not. But you have, we said it, you have to put a runner beside him. You he's seem just to, saying that because he's trying to coach him next season. Yeah, yeah. You, you can see, you can That'll see. That'll be a hard first meeting, Andy, now, if you're throwing him under the bus now. I'm going over without you, Paddy. But they, they, <laughs> they, uh, but they, they, the Adrian Sablana, like Splanahan, when he came on, the, the speed and the energy he could give. And if you play two in a row more in there, he could be sensational. He could jump. Like, it's a brilliant player. The years brilliant, again. Brilliant but, brilliant yeah. Player. Yeah, you yeah. could change it. Very much so. Paddy, I don't know if you realised it earlier, but when you, you said Tyrone can play it any which way they want, they'll fight you if you want to fight or to play football, if you want to play football. I don't know if you remember the famous Kieran McGinney quote from 2006 International Rules. I only know it because it's plastered on the wall and off the ball at the back of the office. If you want to box, say you want to box and we'll box. If you want to play football, say you want to play football and we'll play football. An epic quote from Kieran McGinney. But I think you're right. I think that sums up. Tyrone rolled with the punches this year and they mixed it up whenever they needed to. Um, and I think That's, Kilpatrick and Kennedy the amount of wrestling matches they got into that final and they came out on top on was a big thing but, but I, I loved it with the coaches I have to say um, we touch on coaches of the year look there's no secret there who's going to be the, the coaching team mm. we'll get to that later on but Tyrone if you looked at all their games you felt on the sideline they were on top as well and they adapted to every challenge whatever the opposition was bringing they showed humility they showed just diligence in their preparation that, okay, if it was Cavan in the first round, we're going to take out Cavan's strengths. Then we're going to flip it and Donegal will pose a different set of challenges and we'll set our team up to stop that as well. Same in the Ulster final where it looked a lot more defensive than we'd seen from today. They adapted to each game. There was mm. no ego there saying, this is our style of play. Everyone else can follow us understand your opposition, have the humility to say, okay, this is how we're going to shut that down and then we'll play our game. And I felt in all the big games, Tyrone edged on the sideline and their players carried out a game plan to an absolute tee. And like exactly what you're saying, whatever needed to be done, whatever challenge was being posed to them by by their opponents, they had prepared for it and they'd answered it. And there's a couple of teams out there that you're saying, maybe that wasn't as strong. Um, in their performances and Tyrone have got the rewards for that I think that line humility to to change and adapt to the matchups as well I think that's I think that's probably the key message that we learned about this Tyrone team in the year that they did do that throughout the year so yeah very much so let's get on to the forwards because really really exciting uh, front six whatever way we mix it up here on, on the football pod you've both gone for Connor Myler number 10 in his back you're sticking with number 10 but he obviously his role was slightly different um he was detailed with man marking and I was chatting him this week and off the ball. And I'd asked him about the challenge of man marking players and the way that he did and how, you know, when we think of it in a traditional sense, man marking a corner forward is, is perhaps a little easier because there's only so many ways he can go or, or move. But Myler was never man marked the gooch. There you go. I have not. It's not easy. It's, not easy. <laughs> it's definitely not easier. You wouldn't no. recommend it, Patrick. No, I disagree with that, Tommy. <laughs> it's uh, it's not easier. The further away from goal, you can get away with it a little bit more. Really? Uh, yeah. Is it too I'd simple to say that, yeah? Fielder, when he absolutely roasts you, it's not as glaringly obvious as when you're doing it at cornerback. But uh, but go on, sorry. <laughs> well, no, I, th- I think you're probably right there, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> obviously, Rona McNamee did quite a, a good man-marking job in a way, and David Clifford, he still came out with nine points. So I suppose it's whatever way you look at it then, yeah. It's, it's not as obvious. I, I, I remember the first game I went to this season was down in Turles in that Dublin Kerry game. Mm. And Fitz, Fitzy, Michael Fitzsimons was on Clifford. And I thought he did a brilliant job on him. I thought he was really good. And Clifford still scored six points from play. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? Whereas if if you have a slip or a mistake in the full back line or even a yard away and you're marking the top players, it's it, it's so obvious everyone can see that. Whereas if you're man marking a guy in midfield and he wins a kick out and the play doesn't kind of turn into anything, it's easier to kind of hide it. Yeah. And having the misfortune of somehow finding myself man marking guys at intercounty level of cornerback for a pr- pretty short period of time, thank God. I, I wholeheartedly agree that you're better like off. mad to think about five years later you were up uh, shooting, <laughs> shooting the lights out. This <laughs> <laughs> got me as far away from my own goal as humanly possible. Yeah, you've yeah. got two absolute conmen here with you tell me. Put David Clifford full back next year and we'll see what happens. <laughs> so we'll talk we'll talk about Myler then for a minute because I completely take what you're saying, Patty. I think I dumped down what I was saying there a little bit in the sense that I suppose I found it more difficult to figure out how he was stopping Paddy Clifford in a mm. sense that if you're in the corner, there's a way of doing it. He didn't necessarily enjoy playing that man-marker role. I think he wants to express himself a bit more and he was maybe a little frustrated by it. And maybe we saw a bit more of that in the All-Ireland final with some of his mm. assists. But he did have a savage year. Yeah, he, he was exceptional. He was exceptional. And, and, and Andy touched on it. Um, after the semi-final performance of how he, how he dealt with Paddy Clifford and the confidence he would have taken from that, I think it comes from the coaches understanding what Conor Myler is really good at. What are the strengths of his game? And not, we, we both said it. I played against Conor Myler. I'm sure Andy, you would have as well. He's been around a while. Mm. Same with, with McCurry. And you, you might have put him traditionally, he'd play him wink for number 10 on his back and ask him to do the role of a number 10. And that, that's probably not his strongest point. It doesn't suit his game and it's easy for, for Dewar to come in as a legendary number 10 all order when a captain all stars and things like that and just go, Connor, I just want you to play like I played because I was brilliant. But that's not understanding your player's strengths. And one of the very first things, and Andy's a coach, I, I, I'm not, but, but we spoke about this in earlier pods, what is the role of a coach at the absolute fundamental level? Understanding your players. Know your players. What makes them the best versions of themselves? And having having the, the empathy and the emotional intelligence to understand that and go, well, look, these are the things you're really good at. How can I get you into my system? Not coming in all guns blazing and go, this is the way I'm playing. You lot, subordinates, fit my game plan. And if you can't do it, good luck. That's That old school mentality, you know, this autocratic dictator type style it's gone and I know I read Myler's article it got a lot of airtime after he was talking about Michael Jordan and, and this thing of that old school mentality where you all have to fit me or good luck I'm not interested in you you could get the sense of that not just with Conor Myler I'd say put Frank Burns in that category as well Darren McCurry obviously Logan and Dewar went into Tyrone and looked at goes what are the raw materials we have here Okay, these are what this this group of players are brilliant at this, the individual talent that this guy has. How do we maximize that? Let's try and fit him into our team, as opposed to just going out and go, Connor, play wing forward, but you've kind of been hit and miss the last couple of years. Darren McCurry wants to do this. And if it doesn't suit you, well, good luck, you're out as well. And McCurry's back to a 2018 situation. So I think the best coaches understand their players, they know the players and what makes them tick. It's not a one size fits all. And when you see that and the players understand that, that they're not being asked to reinvent the wheel. And we, we had it first time, we, we, one, of the, one of the best ever with Jim. Jim Gavin used to sit down before the match with me and he goes, Paddy, this is your job. I'm not asking you to go out and do the moonlight and the stars for me. Just do this. 
what I'm comfortable with. He knew I was comfortable doing that. And it takes a lot of pressure off you. And you could see that with Myler, see it with Frank Burns, you've seen it with McCurry, you've seen it with midfielders in the final. This is your job, go and do that. I'm not asking you to do anything else. And I thought that was the genius of, of Logan and Dewar coming in. And, and, and like you say, not having an ego of turning around and going, this is my style of play. Like having the humility to adapt to their opposition, but also having their own humility to go, we have ideas, but let's park that because the players are more important. What do the players want to play? How do I maximize that out of, out of each and every one of them and fit that into our system? That's leadership. That's management at the highest level. And when you get a team of 35 guys, all with different personalities, all with different skill sets, all with different experiences, some it's their first year in the panel. Some guys have had a bad experience. McCurry, guys like this, Myler being dropped, being left off teams. And you got all of those guys playing the same way, playing to the system, playing to their potential and contributing to the team like Myler did and he's in the mix for player of the year, like McCurry's in the mix for player of the year. That's the genius of what Tyrone have done this season. And Conor Myler's absolute front and centre as an example of that. And he, he said it himself. I loved reading what he said because it was like spot on. That's modern sport, modern athletes, modern leadership. Um, and it got the best out of them because they played to his strengths. Just just on my, just to add to Paddy's, Paddy isn't just on about football there and knowing your football. It's known as personality. And it's known what, what they like doing. It's 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 all that. But Paddy summed that up brilliantly there, yeah. But, but if you, you look at it, there was a clip gone around of Shady with, with Tipperary. You might have seen it. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. I think it's Callanan who he knows better. He knows his personality and he goes over and gives him a rollick. Because that's he understands his player. He understands the personality behind the player. This is how he's going to respond to this. But this, the next player over is more of an introvert. He's quieter. I can go in. He needs an arm around the shot. How I communicate with these different players it's not one size fits all. The most obvious example, as anyone listens to Pod Nolan, Man United fan, Alex Ferguson spent years as this war horse dictator style, because that was what was at the time was accepted. And he spoke since, since he retired about leadership and having to adapt and adapt to modern players and understanding, having empathy with the players. And what you might say to Conor Moyler and his experience and to get the best out of him might be completely different to the next conversation you'll have with Conor McKenna or Maddie Donnelly. They might need a, a kick in the hole, whereas Moyler might need an arm around the shoulder. I, I don't know them individually, but that's you got the sense that the Tyrone players was a happy camp. All the players felt they were contributing. They all felt valued. The guys coming in off the bench, it wasn't a big strap on a moan. Why am I not starting? They understood the value. That's brilliant, brilliant leadership. And Andy's right, whether it's sport, business, whatever it's in. And you can just hearing the throne players talk after uh, since they've won the All Ireland, that rings true. It was enjoyable. It was like they were, they were trusted with the responsibility to go and do it. And when you have that, and you have thirty five guys doing the same thing, uh, that's you're going to have success. I, I think that's that, that's all so true. And and I think we've learned a little bit of that from the throne camp over the last two weeks. I don't know whether it was winning the All Ireland, the release valve opens up, and a few of them have spoken, but. Paddy, just I'd be I'd be interested in hearing from you just a little bit more on that. Myler spoke a lot about authenticity and honesty, and being himself, I suppose, in terms of unlocking his own potential. I think, and I think you're listening to you talking about how it was Logan and Dewar who facilitated that. Can I pull you back again to what we spoke about last week with the Dazzler and and the Wolf? <laughs> like when did Jim 
so obviously that didn't happen in 2013. Would I be right in saying your best football was played either 2015 or 2017? Am I right in saying it was probably pretty good year in 2013? No, yeah, but like personally speaking, I know nominated for an all star and whatever, whatever went on in the background there. We'll have to find out what happened. No, like when did how did Gavin figure out? how to get the best out of you. I'm asking for a bit of reverse psychology here a wee bit like, but how did he figure out how to give you, get the best out of you? Well, I, th- I think he had the same approach to all of his players, not just me. If you look at the development of that team over that, that period of time, ultimately probably be the most successful team and the best team in the history of GA in terms of the, the, the winning streak they went on and the players that came through. His genius was in his, his leadership style that he understood what I needed, I, I had had a bad experience and I needed a coach to, Jim was never a man for, for putting his arm around the shoulder and things like that. That's, you can give belief to players in different ways, but he understood that I needed confidence. You could see there was talent because he'd managed me underage and things like that, but I needed, I had a bad couple of years and I was seriously doubting myself. Exactly, again, reading what McCurry was saying, I was like, yeah, I know that feeling. You're thinking, maybe I'm not good enough to do this. Maybe the coaches are right, and I'm, ne- I'm never going to get a crack at this. And Andy, you had it earlier on in your career. You're moving positions, and you're not playing. A coach comes in, and, and was Jim for me, and he's like, I'm playing you. You're playing all the O'Byrne Cup games. You're playing the National League. And he did it, did it with Cormac Coslow in later years, and Paul Mannion, guys coming in, and you're thinking, I'm going to play you for five games. Don't If you play brutal in your first game, forget about it. You're playing next week. Just allows players to relax that's what I needed. Mm. Now, Bernard Brogan, who was a superstar, player of the year at the time, needed a different approach to what I did. Jim needed to get him on side, so maybe it's a bit of a kick in the backside. Um, and then Paul Mannion's coming in, our first National League game under Jim was against Cork, and that was the full forward line. Paul was like, I think he was 19. He, I don't, I'm not sure if he played in Crow Park at that point. So it was an arm around the shoulder for, for him because it was like he was a kid. The genius of, of managers and leadership is that just understanding what's required. You need to have, there's no two ways about it. You need to be totally definitive on your vision and your goal for the team. Like, so Logan and Dewar come in this year and say, we're winning the all Ireland. There's no ambiguity there. There's no, I want you to buy, you know, this is, that's your leadership. We, there's no debate about this. But you need to be flexible in how you deal with the players and get them on side to do that. You need to be nearly a chameleon that if I can go to you, you need a kick in the hole. If I, the next conversation I have is with a different player and you need an arm around the shoulder, that's the genius of leadership, that you, you don't budge on where we're going to. This is, the, this is the goal. This is the strategy. This is how we're getting there. But how you deal with the individual players, that's brilliant leadership. And, and like I say, the, the days of the dictator and Myler talking about Michael Jordan and how he was just a, basically mm. an asshole as a teammate, that's gone then. You won't get buy-in from 35 players to do that. Uh, anymore you need to understand your players and, and you get the rewards off and Jim was like that with me believed in me gave me confidence and then away you go yeah and the thing with Michael Jordan you had, a, you had the leadership of Phil Jackson then beside him so it was uh, so yeah, completely yeah. different to Jordan yeah, yeah so yeah you had the star player style leadership but then you had the guy that had to bring it all together so um, I, I think that kind of emphasizes what Paddy said you know Andy, as important as it is for the coaches to be there to facilitate this, I suppose, player development, there's a serious amount of onus on the player themselves to want to improve and to search for every inch of improvement they can get. I I think it was last week you mentioned 2016, you were struggling for confidence and form and 
Mayo couldn't win a ball inside. You found yourself playing that year and, and getting into the groove and working your way into the team. And 2017 rolls around and, and you're footballer of the year. When you were in searching for your best self as a footballer, did you chase that? Did you open yourself up to talk to different people? To Like Conor Myler spoke about talking to a fear coach and learning how to unlock the best out of himself. He spoke about talking to somebody else about struggling with injuries and, and figuring that out. Like, There's a lot of responsibility on the player themselves as well. Yeah, well, fear coaching, that, that'd be an awful lot of, I, I presume, stoic philosophy and what's the worst that can happen sort of stuff. So what's the worst that can happen for a corner forward? You, you get bet for the ball, your man goes up the pitch, he kicks a point, you're looking over your shoulder. Can I, can I live with this? What do I do next? That's, and I, I think that's the way it goes. And like, for me, I was like, it was always, I met Morris Sheridan, I remember in 2010, to, to, to help me with my kicking, just so you get a kicking coach, you go and have sport, sports psychology, you do all the little bits, you're taking little bits from other sports, you're you're trying to get, but for me, one, my body had to get right, so I would travel anywhere in the country to get my body into shape and to be healthy to play, like I would go anywhere, any time of night really? to get done um what do you mean as in like what are you what are you talking about here? are you talking about physio- like what are you talking about here oh, yeah, there's a guy there called uh a guy called lee shane lawler who used to work with an awful lot of pro golfers like and he, he could only see me at crazy hours of the night and i would drive and i'd drive home and joe he used to be really good to me facilitate me joe like things that people never needed to know about at the time but you needed to do that to get your body right of course psychologically though life became very simple for me once my first child came because then football was kind of the most important thing but it wasn't really because every time you came home then everything else it just kind of sat into place so that helped the body getting right helped it, it really clicked into gear in the Dunny goal game 2015 I remember sprinting through had a you can put it up you should put it up for the crack but I remember taking this outrageous shot Jeremy the Connor free at the back post miles wide but we won the game anyway but I remember thinking that's the <laughs> that's the first time I sprinted in three years really so, yeah so little things like that then 16 came along form started coming and then it all kind of kicked into place and the key thing for our team in 17 and for me personally was Lee Fitzpatrick came on board um, in 2017 for us sports psychologist or a psychologist not a sports psychologist a psychologist and just really got the team moving and what you need to do. What's your, Paddy, what's your job? How do you implement your job? How is the best? How can you get in yourself into the best position to do that job? And then it just became very simple. So everyone, I think, most people, most people, not everyone, because you have the Mavericks that do their own thing, independent thinkers, mm. but most people go the same route. And some people like me, it might take till you're 32, 33 to find that. And other people then can find in their mid-twenties. And if you can find in your mid-twenties, you know, um, I, I think that is. But everyone has their own route to get there, to get the balance right. And when you get the balance right, you you, you, you seem to play your best football. Okay. But, but the, the biggest thing on it, Tommy, as well, I'd say, just from our experience, like, at this level, like, the Tyrone players, the Mayo players, and, and to be honest, if you're playing inter-county football, we touched on it earlier in the year, it's serious business. Every player there wants to be, whether you're winning all Ireland with Tyrone or you're getting promoted from Division 4 and Division 3, wants to be the best player they can. So you are open. You Do I need to go and swim in the sea when it's mm. two degrees outside? I'll do it because it's going to help me recover. Do we need to go to the gym at six o'clock in the morning before work and go again after? I'll do it. Do me and Andy need to go? And I know we both would have kicked 
thousands of footballs on, on basically your one night of the week off from training. If you want to be the best player you can be, you've got to pay the price to go and do it. And, and for Myler talking about that stuff, I guarantee you, if you ask him, and I'm not sure if you did, I didn't hear it back, but he would not see any of that as a sacrifice. No. He's not sitting there going, what a ball breaker that I have to go and do this. Because he understands he's an open mindset. This, it might not even, but it has the potential to make me a better player. So it's worth doing it. And at the, at the top level of this game, all the players, you're telling me you sit down with the Mayo team now and come in with the most off-the-wall idea. <laughs> but lads, try this for the next month. We're going to do yoga three times a day or whatever. They'll, and it might make you a better player. It might make you less susceptible to injuries. And it might give you a 1% chance that you can win the All-Ireland next year. Every one of those players would do it. Because you need to have the humility and the mentality to understand, I can still be a better player. I'm sure David Clifford, you know, for the, the four weeks after and COVID, the break with Tyrone, he's down kicking balls when everyone in the country's going, he doesn't need to do that. But he's still trying to be better. That the best players are always looking, how do I improve a little bit more? So reading Myler's stuff, I'm like, yeah, you should be doing that. If you want to win the All-Ireland, pay the price. And I guarantee you, he'd do it all again now as he's sitting there with, with an All-Ireland medal in his back pocket then. He'd do anything for it. That's what it's about at the highest level. Yeah, it strikes me from listening to him that it, it unburdened him in a way, uh, realising that those things were working for him because he, he did speak about overtraining a little bit uh, in certain years and breaking down a lot his body breaking down a lot with hamstring injuries and finding the right way to go about balancing that off the field work with, with an awful lot of high performance and high level sport time he's getting out of your own way just getting out of your own way so if you can get someone and you pay someone good money to do that it's worth every single penny because the overthought and overthinking absolutely kills you when you're in bad form and you're, you're you can't get to the level of performance you want to you have to get out of your own head. So however you do that, whatever helps, wherever you go, that's the key. Yeah, fascinating stuff. Right, no arguments. Conor Myler, number 10. On to number 11. Sean O'Shea, <laughs> Sean O'Shea is, is uh, number 11. I, I think we're right. There's no point talking about just the, the, the numbers here in the positions. But Paddy, you mentioned Sean O'Shea earlier on. You made the case for, for picking him. And um, Andy, you've picked Reiner Dunn, who had 11. I think Reiner Dunn, who's going to feature in our team, like I think regardless he, he was Mayo's best forward I have him I have him at 14 yeah you have him at 14 so Ryan yeah. O'Donoghue is going to be in our front yeah. six that there's uh, Andy I think it's fair to say like I know when you're picking you picked Tommy Conroy as well but I'd say Ryan O'Donoghue am I right in saying Ryan O'Donoghue was... oh, yeah Ryan, Ryan as I said Stephen, Matty and Ryan are the three best Mayo yeah. players and I know Lee had a great semi-final and final but in terms of the year out throughout they were the three best players 100% the, the pressure on O'Donoghue to stand up for scores after Killian O'Connor went down in Ennis and he, he nearly, I know he misses the penalty in the final and people will look at that and I'm sure he's looking at that for, for the last week and a half. But he had a brilliant year and his leadership, and not just the scoring, but like in terms of the, the tempo and the tone he sets up front, he works his backside off for that team. Um, I thought he had a brilliant, brilliant year. And if if Mayo, again, similar to Stephen Cohen, if they're going to get to where they want to get to, he's going to be a huge part of that. Mm. But I, ju- I just thought that the, the mentality he showed um, and leadership after Kill O'Connor went down, he was to the fore of that. So he's without a doubt he's in he's in the team. The the um the, the battle between himself and Merchant in that semi final. Oh, get a player cam on it. I think they were two favourite players of the year. But uh Merchant barely played, but they were just brilliant. It was, I was sitting it was right in front of me. Two of them were just class and I, I couldn't believe we were like 
the sun, like we were still traveling down from the game and the, the, the Sunday game or the Saturday game, whatever it was, the night that Ireland was on, they picked their team of the year and it came through to my phone and Ryan O'Donoghue wasn't on. I nearly threw the phone out to him. I was like, have you watched me for the year? Like this guy, even the Mead game, Tommy, you were down with the Mead game, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. And himself and O'Connor in the first half together. He was our ah, best player. It was such a pity we didn't get to see them linking up more uh, yeah, throughout the year. It, it was. And like, he, he obviously looks up to Killian, but like, it's just, it's... Um, yeah. Yeah, he was just our best player. Uh, I have that Sunday game team open somewhere. I want to compare it in a few minutes. Uh, our other bankers, lads, the Dazzler, 13. Yep. Uh, and he deserves to wear that number 13 as well because it, it sat on him so well this year. Um, Savage. I know he's going to feature in our point of the year and our goal of the year a little later as well. So, And we spoke about McCurry last week and, and how he, he went away and he, he found his best self. He brought back the Dazzler. So Darren McCurry had an exceptional year, I think it's fair to yep. say. And I think... As we said, even in the semi-final when Tom Sullivan, he could have got whipped off, he still had a massive say in that game and again in, in the final as well. 1-4 in the, in the All-Ireland final. Our other banker is David Clifford. Like, when we're talking about lighting light the year. <laughs> you think chance, of, that kid. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Is that three years, three All-Stars he's going to pick up? But he like... He's going to go far. Yeah, be, best performance, uh, individual performance of the year is the All-Ireland semi-final against Terry Rowan. American Rowan and McNamee. It's savage. Yeah. No, he was just classic. And we'll be talking about plenty about David Clifford over the, the coming weeks and years, I suppose. Um, but Clifford, yeah. And even like the Galway game started the year, like when you wanted a bit of excitement to get the season going, like sometimes it takes a few weeks for a, you know, a sport or a tournament to get cooking. But David Clifford kicked off the year how you'd want it to be. So David Clifford inside, I think we're going to put 14 on his back, are we? And then number 15, so there are four bankers: Connor Myler, Darren McCurry, David Clifford, and Ryan O'Donoghue. Now we have decisions. Tommy, you're lining me up now with the two fellas I have left. Now this, we have decisions. So, you were on, you yeah, were on look, this call. I, I you were you. on this call before I joined it. I get lined up here. No, you were trying to fix my sound. I get lined up. So listen, Sean O'Shea has to be in. Okay. Still, he, but he's hey. not by his stand. Like he was. He nearly he outshone Clifford in, in quite a few of those games as well. He still scores eight eight points in the semi final, even though potentially, yeah, Hampsey probably next the better of him. But I'd have O'Shea in. I uh, I would tend to agree with with Paddy when it comes to Sean O'Shea, but I want to hear Andy Moran talking about the moments man Connor McKenna. And give me the case, give me the, give me the reason because I was delighted to see you pick him in your team of the year. Well, the the, the one time, right, the one thing I would say is that the one thing I've never said one thing in my life what I'm out about. but then what, what I would say about him is Tyrone have struggled have struggled to score goals in big games for a long time now like it's it, it's been a thing for them and if you could keep them to 12-13 points you knew well they weren't going to get a goal or two and they were struggling for goals this year they had four up to the Kerry game in the whole year league and championship and they do not be like, like the narrative in sport, we've always said it, right? Mayo lose conceding 314 or lose conceding 214 mm. to Tyrone, and it's because their forwards aren't good enough. Kerry lose conceding 314 after extra time to Tyrone, that's because their backs aren't good enough. It's just, it's bullshit narrative all the time. You know, it's <laughs> nonsense stuff, right? But Tyrone win. Tyrone don't win the yeah he media yokes but <laughs> Tyrone don't win that All Ireland without Conor McKenna coming back from the AFL absolutely no way he's 
He's so dangerous. He's literally, yes, I know he doesn't get a lot of possessions. He should score more in the final. But the two goals against Kerry, are, that's six points from play. People forget that a goal is worth three points. So that's six <laughs> points from play. Like, we're on about Back Sean the basics here. We're, we're on about Sean O'Shea. He scores eight points. McKenna scores six from play, right? And then in the final, when the game was there to be won, and goals win games in finals. Paddy knows that better than anyone. Goals win games in finals. McKenna goes through and it's only a moment. I know it's only a moment and he doesn't do much in the whole game. He flicks it across and McCurry gets a flick in and that's nine points direct from one player in the two biggest games of the year. I don't know what more you want like, to Well, we'll throw him in. Sludden, great fella, but we'll throw McKenna in wing forward then instead of him. <laughs> Like, well, if it comes down to you, Tommy, you definitely have McKenna well, in, anyway. That's the thing. See, I, uh, I'm picking Conor McKenna. Like, Conor McKenna no, is one of my favorite anyway, right? <laughs> Go on, McKenna in for Sludden, then. No, but, I, like, no, no, but Niall Sludden could easily go number seven. Niall Sludden could go, Niall Sludden could go seven. Like, uh, we can look this around a wee bit. Like. Keegan. Lee Keegan's playing back there, don't be stupid. No, I think, I think Lee Keegan's making the cut here. I think the way we could do this is... I'm, I'm just after screwing my own uh, county man, Tommy Conroy. <laughs> but see, that's the thing. We're, we're going to talk Tommy Conroy here for a second, right? Tommy Conroy has ha- a, look, Tommy a monstrous, a monstrous 20 that. minutes against Dublin. And there was probably a lot of pressure on his shoulders going into that game. He actually started that All-Ireland final so well, but I don't think he got enough ball, personally speaking, to be able to do his best. Yeah. And I don't think, even think Tommy Conroy has played in his best position for the majority of the year. I think we're going to see the best from Tommy Conroy playing out a little further out the field over the next decade. I'd agree. Um, I suppose I probably had a bit of bias putting five million men in the team. But but you're, you're not the only one to pick Tommy Conroy in the team of the year. He's in the Sunday game team of the year. He's in the Sky Sports team of the year. Yeah, but lad, he, he gets five points for playing the two two big games. Like, so yeah. he, had, he had a big, big influence uh, on yeah. the game. And if he scores that goal against... Uh, so Paddy uh, Anders scored five points from playing an All-Ireland semi-final. He never won a... One game. Jeez, I scored about 20 points one year. I didn't get in. <laughs> Paddy, you seven also, Don Ireland. Who cares? I'll swap you one for one of your... I'll give you one of mine. Yes! Of I'll do that. I'll do that. I'll see you in the office. I'll try... I'll see oh, I'm, I'm, I'm coming up. I'll be up tomorrow. Oh, that's brilliant. But the, the, Green, yeah. yeah, no, listen. I, I think Tommy, for us, would be a bonus for Mill. Uh, I think he's been brilliant. I thought he was really good in the second half against Galway. Um, thought like the game when the game the reason I put him in there when the game That's was the really on the line and against Dublin and you could see Dublin's legs were going and Tommy was out at 12 and I'd agree with you Tommy actually that, that he, he, 12 is probably going to end up in his best position and he takes off and he gets three points at the highest quality I suppose I'm probably looking at that bias slightly but mm. uh, I'd have a minute but if he sacrificed okay I'd have him close. I would have him close, but oh, uh, look, he will be close. Of course, he will. But can, can I can I put it to you this way? And I'm I'm a little afraid of of mixing up my maths here a wee bit. Could we go Sean O'Shea eleven? Because we go Connor McKenna twelve. Go oh, would you have McKenna in a town? Don't be just neutral. In this I genuine, I genuinely would have Conor McKenna in the team of the year because I think when you're looking at the team of the year and you're trying to pick out the moments, I actually think it's such a big influence. I even think against Sonny Gall, he played a major role in that second half. And I know we just had moments across the year, but I think Conor McKenna represented something for Tyrone this year that they badly lacked. And I'm just going to mention Mead one more time. But if Mead could get Conor Nash and Keane McBride back, 
or Mayo could have dragged back Pierce Hanley over the years. I'm not saying McBride or Nash are going to make a difference to a Leinster title or an All-Ireland title, but it's what they represent in the county and the team. You mean business. No, and but Colin McShane was convinced no. to stay home. And Conor McKenna came home uh, to win an All-Ireland. Andy Swung, if, if you break it down to the absolute brass tax, if McKenna doesn't come home from Australia, right, we'll throw him in the All-Ireland. The answer, probably not. Even though he wasn't the dominant ball player, which... That's nearly t- you know what's in there. You just need more games. You can still see there's rawness in his play, but it, it, even he's still quite raw. He has massive moments like that. Again, I just know there's more in there for it, more in there for him. Mm. But look, if you're breaking it down like that, would throw in the All Ireland if McKenna's not home? Probably not. You know, and you're yeah. right, Tommy. Look at the, the Connor Glass and Derry. Yeah, the difference he makes there. Marty Clark, yeah, it's a statement, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. We'll put him in. He'd be delighted to know. <laughs> You'll give him a ring there, Tom. You've been chatting to him all year, have you? No, not at all. But uh, yeah, hope, he's, got a, he's got a Tyrone jersey with McKenna on the back. <laughs> if I was to get a jersey, lads, I'd be getting Conor McKenna on the back of the jersey 100%. <laughs> I'm telling you. Um, I'm leaning towards Peter Hart, lads, at wing back. I just think the traditional players have such an influence on on the, on the on football this year. So say if uh, Slotin's Instead of McNamee. There, Instead of McNamee, and I think I think I think I think the football pod team of the year, personally speaking, I feel from the players we've spoken about this year, Andy, you spoke about Peter Hart very early on in the podcast, and you you referenced him after one of the games about how he was underrated and the role that he had had. I think it was Donegal game and the influence of Peter Hart that that day. And I was keeping an eye on Hart throughout the year after that. I think Hart just it's a little understated the influence he had. Yes. I think Sean O'Shea. Like I, I don't understand how like Paddy Clifford had a brilliant year, like genuinely had a brilliant year. But for me, Sean O'Shea manned up a lot this year in a lot of games. And fair enough, in thrown in the semi final, he probably tried to do a little bit too much of what he'd been doing all year long. He didn't maybe didn't mix it up enough. But I think Sean O'Shea was probably better than David Clifford in a lot of the early games as well, as Paddy said. Tommy, I'm gonna back my old Dublin comrade here, and I'm gonna go, I'm gonna I put back me in instead of heart. Are you? Yeah. Oh, Andy. Okay. Ah, no, no, you're right, though. Like, sure, you can't have the team without Hamsey and McNamee. You can't. Yeah. Okay, we're a bedrock. And, and look, there's guys, I'll give you a couple of close calls. Like, Michael McKiernan had a really good year. Yeah, Frank, we haven't Frank, mentioned Frank, them. Frank Burns, we're talking about Moiler and developing under, under the new coaches. Frank Burns was, was key. I know we missed the Ulster final, but he had a massive influence in, in the game. Party Clifford, obviously was so, so influential for the National League and the Munster Championship. He, he probably, he lost that battle in the, in the All-Ireland semi-final. He, he was good that day as well. Again, you know? we're, we're talking about Peter Hart. I thought Kirk Kenny was probably Dublin's, along with Costello, their best forwards. But, but Kilkenny's had such high standards uh, and ultimately Dublin fell short. So, so that's why he's he's probably not in it. Whereas if he was just, again, if that was his debut season, be going, Jesus, this guy's got to be in. So it's it, with the All-Stars and the opinions of it, and the body of work players have put beforehand in some cases can go for them mm. and in some cases can go against them as well. But uh, but but there's some very close calls there as well. Um, and, and, and Like Cormac Costello was probably Dublin's Cormac most Costello dangerous forward. Brilliant, brilliant season. But then has a quiet game in the semi-final. And like I say, that swings against them. And the same with, like, like we're saying, we're talking about Costello got taken off early that day as well. The final he? can yeah. go for you and go against you. And ultimately, whatever you've done in the National League, and it is meant to be over the season long, mm. 
when it comes to the opinions, there's recency bias there, but there's also the biggest games, the yeah. biggest, biggest games. Who was the man in those games? Yeah. And it's worked for Patrick, most certainly, and it's probably worked against a couple of other players in, in that regard as well. Yeah. I don't, I don't think we'll be far off it, lads. I don't yeah. think we'll be far off. I, 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 I would stand over that team. I'm quite proud of that team. Oh, what, uh, what, do we, what do we settle on in the forward? So, so we've gone for Niall Morgan and goals, Tom Sullivan, Ronan McNamee, Podrick Hampsey, Lee Keegan, Stephen Cohen, Kieran McGeary, Conkel Patrick, Matthew Ruan, Connor Myler, Sean O'Shea, Connor McKenna, Darren McCurry, David Clifford, Ryan O'Donoghue. I think that's pretty good. And there's, there's like, I saw Daniel Flynn thrown into a couple of teams. Like if you're talking about, if you're giving a stick for picking Connor McKenna in the moment's team of the year, you're picking Daniel Flynn for his moments as well. He had a couple of moments of magic, but not enough. It didn't make a difference. Whereas Conor McKenna's moments of magic won in All-Ireland. So yeah, I'd, I'd be back in our team over the Sky Sports team. That's a little dig there. <laughs> <laughs> the Sky Sports team, was he? Yeah. So, okay, we'll okay. roll with that. Yeah, we're right. happy. Lads, well done, lads. Well done is right. We've got through it. To everyone at home, it. if you've disagreed with that, you can get touch. Of Italy for that. Yeah, well worth it. This is episode 20 of the Football Pod with Paddy and Andy. This is the, the little bit where I'm going to remind you to hit subscribe and share the podcast if you're enjoying it or, or leave it as a little review. We're going to take a quick ad break and we'll be back with our end of season awards. Welcome back to episode 20 of the Football Pod with Paddy Andrews and Andy Moore. And we're still here. We're going to run through our end of season awards. You'll have heard our team of the year there. And uh, if you have any complaints, you can get them into us at footballpod underscore GA is where you'll find us on Twitter. And on Instagram. So, lads, I know I, I often have said this over the last 20 episodes. We're going to need a bit of brevity here as we breeze through these topics. We might stop once or twice, but you'll know when we're able to stop and stay for a few minutes. But we're going to start off here with the MVP. Andy Moore, I'm going to start with you. Who is your MVP? The football pod MVP, the most valuable player, your player of the year. You're a man who's won it before in 2017. Who are you picking? Mine is Kieran McGeary. Paddy, were right. you going to come in there? No, are you breaking it down as they will for the awards into the top three? Uh, we, um, I think we're going to have three anyway because you've got one, Andy's got one, and I've got one, and I know they're all different. All right. Oh, okay. Go on then. Yeah. Sorry, Bagheeri, Andy. Yeah. Did, did, like, did, for me, his role in the Monaghan game when Frank Burns is out, amazing. Uh, sitting in at that sweeper role at six. Um, I thought Kerry had two different styles of playing where the, the, the inside full forward line but they got huge benefit out of Gavin White driving forward against Kerry. He just goes in there and takes him out of the game, essentially. Um, I'm not sure Gavin White did any score, any assist. Mason had to go down with cramp, ran himself into the ground. McGeary just stuck at his job. Yes, he kicked away a bit of ball in that game, but he had 40-odd possessions. When you're touching the ball 40 times, you're going to give away the ball. And then on the other side of it, then I just think in the final, I don't think he was brilliant, but I, I, he did his job. And he did his job really, really well. There was a clip where Kevin McLaughlin took him on the, the far side, the Cusick stand side, going in towards the, the Davin stand, and he just gets back, just gets his job done. So to me... It's McGeary, Donegal. We've mentioned Donegal. We've mentioned the Cavan games. He's, I, I think he's just been exceptional and he kind of epitomises what that Tyrone team are about. Paddy, before we get your spoiler, I'm saying I'm picking Conor Myler. I just think that the the job he did on, on numerous players throughout the year, be it Ryan McHugh, be it Paddy Clifford or Paddy Durkin, they, they were so important for Tyrone. Like Tyrone's game this year was built on, in ways, stopping the opposition 
and imp- imposing their game on them then. And Myler was so important to stopping the key man each, each week. I have nothing more to say about it. And I'm happy for you boys to make your case. Who is your MVP, Paddy Andrews? I can't believe we're three different. I went with McCurry. I love this. Tell us why. I went with McCurry. And I tell you, for me, Myler had a brilliant semi-final final. I, I was leaning between McCurry and, My- and McGeary. I thought McGeary's display against Donegal and particularly the Ulster final and, and then the Kerry, they were brilliant, brilliant performance. And he's been asked to do different roles in, in, in each game. I thought his final, he was a little bit quieter. And that's why I've gone with McCurry to get man of the match in the final. Stand up, 140. He absolutely got the better of Ahura. And again, I, I'm looking over the entire season. McCurry was the main man, the main scorer throughout every National League game, all the way through the championship. His, his story of where he's come from, the bounce back, having the big final. And this is what I'll touch on. We put Tom O'Sullivan in, in the All-Star team. And I don't know if he'll get one in the official one, but, but we, we all agreed it was a brilliant performance by him. And with McCurry's background and the season he'd had, it would have been easy for him. It would have been easy for the coaches to whip him off and undo all the work. And it would have been easy for him to hide in that game and go, this is not happening. For me. At halftime, I'm thinking, even if he gets the ball, O'Sullivan is milling him. And he comes out and he kicks four points in the second half. And he kicks the big points, big, big points under serious pressure when the game is not happening for him. And his season, and in a way, you can be really dramatic. We love being dramatic here, like over the top. His career is on the line there. That he, he, he's bounced back and now in, in the first massive challenge, he fails it. But he doesn't. He stands up and he nails the kicks. Has a brilliant final. Look, between the three guys we've named, they've been, and I'd probably put Morgan and Hampson. Morgan and Hampson in there as well, yeah. Five, five nominees for Player of the Year. Uh, but but for me, McCurry's story and his final performance, and just over the whole season, he's been exceptional as a scorer for Toronto from day one. Uh, so that's why I'm giving it to him. And he's a forward as well. Come on. I know, I can't. I, when you were talking there, I was like, I went against oh, the sacrilegious what I've just after done there. It goes against everything I believe. We're backs and forwards, Andy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have a foot and ball camps. Like, I was nearly going to give yeah. the camps there at one stage. Yeah. But uh, no, yeah. Listen, yeah. I'm not good any of the, any of the three. It's funny that we've all three. Let the, let the, let the listeners know. We'll that. do that. We'll, we'll put a poll up and we'll let the listeners decide who's the football pod MVP yeah, for the year. Yeah, I think that'd be fair, wouldn't it? Yeah, let's do that. Okay. Uh, manager of the year, I'm going to let one of you answer it. And Paddy, I'm going to let. You answer this one because I'm pretty sure I'm going to let Andy answer the underrated player of the year. So, Paddy, who's your manager of the year? Out of two boys. I, I never thought joint coaches would work after Roy Evans and Jared Houllier. I was like, what a, what a shambles. But uh, they were brilliant. Look, of course they were. Tyrone, no team. No, or no, no one had Tyrone as winning the All-Ireland. We touched on it in the very first pod. It was a massive challenge for those coaches to come in and change that meant Mickey Hartman there was a 17 years to change uh, philosophy, the atmosphere around the place, the culture, everything there. Mickey Hart, an iconic figure in Toronto and done a spectacular job. That was a tough gig for those boys to come into. Bear in mind then, COVID happens. And I'm not thinking Toronto COVID, I'm thinking COVID in general. It's a short season. There's no real time for coaches to impo- impose their game plan and their new strategy on it. They've thrown all of that out the window and delivered. We touched on it's good for Toronto if they stay in Division 1 and if they potentially won an Ulster Championship. They're the All-Ireland Champions. The job those two men have done and listening to the players since you can see the influence they've had on, on the group as a whole. Um, 
it's not even remotely close those I, two boys and managers here I think you can hear as well the influence that Pete Donnelly had that Joe McMahon had that the various members of the backroom team had and I, I actually think that that's one of the most interesting things from this year it's nothing new by by any any stretch of the imagination Tipperary Limerick Dublin we've all known about the importance of their backroom teams the Mayo backroom yeah. team and the, the you've cited over the years it's been so important so I think that is absolutely fair Andy if you have an anthem extra to add we might move on to the underrated player of the year no go for it like I'm very surprised here like Paddy Andrews is always crying and cribbing to us that he was underrated throughout his career I so, never <laughs> said that <laughs> for clarity and if you edit that out we're going to have words. <laughs> <laughs> Andy Moore, an underrated player of the year. Who is it? No, it's, it's not. He's not going to get all stars. Uh, and I think there's two or three of them on the on the Tyrone team. But for me, Frank Burns is just he's just been impeccable. Mm. Uh, I just one moment, like of course you could mention Michael McKernan. He, he, he's he's we like he did a great job in the final. Went on yeah. right and done a Mio's main main forward. Did a great job. But for me, the moment that stands out for me is when Clifford is on fire and he has the ball going into the hill in the first half and he's one-on-one and he sees it's not a McNamee in front of him and he, he, he goes, party time here. And Burns just doesn't rush in, knows he's got to cut out onto his left foot and to have that composure within the moment is huge. And not many people, Joe, not, the observers don't see that, but... Me and Paddy have seen being the forward where at club level someone might rush in on you and you might step outside them and put it in the bottom corner. That's all Clifford wants to do there. And Burns just stays really good decision in a high-pressure situation. And I think he's, he's one of the glues that make that team stand out. And he's, not, he's not one of these kind of flashy players. He doesn't transition up the field like the other four guys around him. But he holds and he lets them go. Quite similar to actually what Stephen Cohen does for Mayo. Um, but he, he just has a huge influence on the team and I think he's been underrated. Paddy, your point of the year? <laughs> Obviously, a lot when we went through the National League, points of the year. From the championship, you're looking at some massive ones. Morgan's free from basically outside Queens and Drumcondra to kick it over the bar in the semi-final against Kerry was massive. Tommy Conroy hits a couple of absolute bombs in... in one of the most most iconic matches of the year in the Dublin mm. Mayo game in the semi-final. McCurdy, any numerous ones from sidelines, from anywhere. Hamsey's outside of the right, I thought were brilliant. But I'm going to actually go for one. Maddie Donnelly's point in the Ulster final <laughs> on Conor Boyle yeah. against Monaghan. I just loved it. Uh, was it the most iconic point of the year? Not, maybe not. There was obviously some massive scores later in the championship. But just in terms of the, the skill execution, the cheekiness of it. Maddie Donnelly, who'd had a quiet year up, up to that point, uh, and he obviously had a, came into it his own in the second half against Donegal in the Ulster semi-final. It also highlighted that the, his conference was back and he was a big part of, of winning that Ulster final, even though he, did, he had a quiet final. But I thought his point, the, the dummy solo as a forward, I always love seeing one of them. Uh, and it was a key score for, for Tyrone. So just the pure skill level of that mm. uh, and the execution of it, I'm going to go with Maddie Donnelly in the Ulster final against Manor. The, re- the reason why them points stand out for us, uh, Tommy, is because the game is played so fast now. It's all about running and being athletic. And, and when you see McCurry chip flicking and putting it out from nearly at the end line and you yeah, see yeah, yeah, yeah. Donnelly 
bringing it back or you see Ryan O'Donoghue bringing it back like they did against Dublin and shipping over the bar they're lovely points do you know they're, and it shows that the game can play, be played in many different ways and that, that that's why I think myself and Paddy would kind of admire them, them scores but my point obviously I got caught like a fool on the telly jumping up and down uh, myself and my good wife and Robbie's just point it just meant a lot to him yeah, Mayo, everything so it was just yeah. a huge point a huge score we got a bit lucky getting him to retake it <laughs> he, he took the chance and it was just it was a special night for everyone that was involved in Mayo football in Cope Park that night we'll give you that one give me your goal of the year goal of the year is David Clifford soccer style down in Berlin but I was lucky enough I was standing beside the great Mark O'Shea uh, at the game was doing it for air and the two of us just started shouting and we were the only two people in the place because <laughs> there was about 20 young fellas up behind the goal that kind of, kind of came into it but there's no one else there and the two of us just jumped, just jumped up and I was lucky enough to kind of witness that firsthand. and pff, what a goal. Ah, what a goal. It's class. When you're seeing bits and pieces like that, I think you talking about the, the dummies as well and, and Paddy picking at that moment. That's what we live for in the football pod. Those little bits of moments of magic in a game. Paddy, your goal of the year. Uh, I, I, Daniel Flynn, we were at it. Uh, yeah, it makes a big difference when you're out of pad, doesn't it? Yeah, uh, we were there, and it was like yeah. that. The Leinster final this year was one of the worst games. <laughs> it was just a non-event of a game. Dublin cruised to win it, and the game was just petered out. There was ten in it at that point. There was like five or six minutes to go. Just, yeah, but, but everything he did in it. James McCarthy's coming out with the ball, so the dispossession to even run after him because the game was over. So he goes after him, gets a turnover, and one of the best players in the game. Then he still. 25 yards from goal out in the sideline, runs through. Johnny Cooper tries to decapitate him. <laughs> he bombs by him. <laughs> he still goes by somehow. And then you're thinking he's still 20 yards from goal, Evan Comerford at an angle and just rifles one in to the far side netting in front of Hill 16. Everything the tackle, the athleticism, the strike. It was just, it was a. Two of us kind of looked at each other like, and it was a phenomenal goal. It was brilliant. But yeah, I like Clifford's the the aesthetics of it, and that was the first game post COVID of the season, so that that was special. But for me, I thought Daniel Flynn's was brilliant. I thought McCurry's goal in the final was also a massive goal. Mm. Just the, the, in terms of the individual brilliance of Daniel Flynn's, McCurry's goal was the team in absolute sync, set play under the biggest pressure at the biggest stage. And ultimately, like I touched on it last week, reviewing the file. Once that went in, that was the all alert. It was over. Mayor weren't coming back. But but I'm going to lean towards Daniel Flynn with my own. Yeah, brilliant. Two wildcard shouts. Like Michael Langan hasn't got mentioned in about three months, but his two goals were sensational as well. And they were replicated. So it wasn't a fluke. They were replicated week after week. So um, Andy Moore, can you give us your comeback of the year? You could have gone anywhere with this now. What have yeah. you gone for? I think it, it has to be too um, Who Ronaldo? <laughs> Ronaldo, yeah. Jeez, he's, he's having so, four and three, unbelievable. <laughs> uh, I think um, it has to be Tyrone in a Gaelic football point of view. Uh, like we all wrote them off. We, we were actually laughing about it last week before the semi-final. We were saying we think they'll be closer to Kerry now than five weeks ago because there was a bit of that back to the wall, you know, and that, that scenario kind of built up. But for me, it's just it's. Uh, for me, it, they, what they've done since the COVID in their camp, um, since COVID in their camp, the way they readjusted, first against Mono when McGeary goes in, they bring in fellas, doesn't matter, let's get on with it. To go away, they reassess, 
the reset, the way they set up their team against uh, Kerry, and then the goal went on early. And I thought you have to give it to them. And uh, just there's certain players within that group as well that mm. could fit into that comeback. But as a team, as a whole, I would go for Tyrone. Yeah, I think watching back some of the clips over the summer as well, I, I mistakenly uh, misattributed our raving about Tyrone earlier in the league to Paddy, but it was you, Andy, talking about it. And then before the Kerry game, you were speaking about Tyrone being built an attack and talking about their need for goals. And they found it. Like, we watched the team grow as the summer went on. And I think, Paddy, you even spoke about it as well. That Donegal performance, the the amount of license it probably gave the management team that the players were then like, right, this is this is working here. Yeah. The plan is coming to fruition. So I think that was, I think that's a really good shout. Paddy, can you give me your letdown of the year? Letdown of the year. Um, kind of mixed with this. And I know we have a moan of the year as well. Letdown of the year. I, I thought the provincial championships were were a bit of a letdown. Um, and look, lads, to be honest, well, I remember one of the middle pods we did after the provincial championships, bar the Ulster championship, obviously, because I know people be ratting and raving about that. But the All-Ireland semi-finals really revived the entire Gaelic football season because it was on... They usually do. The, the National League was... And my moan of the years is, and I'll get to that, hmm. they, didn't, they didn't finish it. Same, yeah. Nonsense. Imagine not finishing the competition and potentially when you at the time the two best teams to play against each other so that's a moment here but what I thought the Leinster Championship the Munster Championship the Connacht Championship really really bad you're looking at the, the Mayo-Leitrim game the Leinster Championship again has been like this for years and then the, the Munster Championship Kerry kind of put that right on the flip side and in defence of it and I know Jim McGuinness spoke passionately about this on Sky for the Ulster Championship you had Derry Donegal was a brilliant game Monaghan Armagh was a brilliant game and Tyrone Donegal was a very good game as well. So the Ulster Championship kind of saved it to a point, but but overall, in a month's time, there's going to be a decision made with Congress at the structures of this championship. They cannot go in there with the head in the sand, traditional side of things. The game needs to evolve, and the provincial championship this year again, despite you, you know the exceptions to the rule are a couple of Ulster Championship games. The majority of the provincial championships, the games are just not fit for purpose, uh, and that would be a letdown of the year again for me. Yeah. Well, we, we'll be coming back to Special Congress and speaking about it in the build-up to it because it is a monumental decision that's going to be made in a few weeks' time and it's kind of, it's coming up on us very quickly and you're right, they're the exception, but I think we need those games to be the rule. Like, I think we need those games to be, and I think John Fogarty had a piece in The Examiner, um, could have been today or yesterday, about the winning margin in league games as opposed to um, as opposed I mean, to provincial yeah. games. You should have a look at it. It's just like, why, at special Congress why are we doing it? Like, why are we, why are we putting ourselves through this year? Why are we putting the players through it? All the work to put through. Andy Moore, moan of the year. You've, you've kind of owned this slot over the last 20 yeah. episodes. But like, from a marketing point of view, Dublin not playing Kerry this year. And, like we, they hedged the the, the the GA hedged their bets to Dublin and Kerry were going to get to the Ireland final. You have them in a national league final that could kick the championship off and end the national league on a high, and you say no, 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 we don't want, we can't push stuff back a week. But then we found out that you can actually push stuff back a week six months later when we had to push it back, and you're just like, what was that all about? Do you know, and not seeing. Yes, that Dublin team is in transition and maybe they might get one or two back, but they are in transition and you have this young up-and-coming team, Kerry, coming up. You, they played out a brilliant game down in Thurnus and you just have them there. They've both earned the right to play each other in Crow Park in what could be a brilliant game. 
and we decide no, we don't want to do it. So that'd be my more of the year. That should that, we should we start a petition on the football pod for the Dublin team to return to training and for Kerry to hire the manager and we just put it on in, in November and when the crowds can come back? Lay it on Christmas week again, like last year. Yeah. But it ruined the semi finals as well. Dublin everyone was waiting yeah. for Dublin to play Donegal and hoping that would kick off the season and so it was gone Kerry mm. hammered Tyrone Tyrone didn't try in that semi-final as we could looking back now you could see so it ruined that the end of the National League campaign was just a disaster uh, to not have that game the Euros started that week um, I remember it was down in, in Cork yeah. and the Euros kicked off and it was like here is the biggest game in, in Gaelic football to play Dublin and Kerry at that time in competition to get viewers to look at this and the Euros are kicking off in competition and the GA just said, no, we, we can't do that. And as Lally said, they were proven he actually could. Let me, that was just, a moment. Let me find that iconic quote from the 28th of June, 2021. Paddy Andrews says he'd rather watch the Euros than Mayo against Sligo. Put that up in the big screen in Crow Park in the uh, for Congress. Yeah, there I, you go. I, I stand by that. I absolutely <laughs> stand by that. Okay, uh, Paddy, I'm coming to you on this next one. The player most likely to get poached by the AFL this off-season award. Which county could Conor lose? McKenna. You're going for Conor McKenna? Are you just going because of his... <laughs> like, we, we do know that the, the Toronto Is he going to do a Ty Canelli on it? Come on, win the All-Ireland and then leg it. Go back again. Uh, I don't know. Um, Matty Tierney. I know. Mm. He, didn't he have trials, didn't he? He was... They're trying to get him. Oh, he'd definitely been up there, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, I think the question is, who has no trials in the last Galway, couple of years? Galway are going to be looking in parts. Guys, guys like that, that sort of ilk. Uh, he has the athleticism to do it. I think he, he could have a massive future in our game. He already, mm. he, he's shown serious glimpses of it this season. Uh, someone like him, potentially. Um, who knows? Like, there's... Anyhow, I'm putting you on the spot here. There's rumours always around players of the ilk of Oshin Mullen yeah. and stuff like that. Like that, that, that would be a frightening proposition for Mayo when they're in the midst of reaching back-to-back All-Irelands and trying to build on that this winter, that they could lose a player of that stature again when the likes of Derry are getting Connor Glass back and they're, they're getting well, young Tohill back, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, listen, Oshin is a... Is a, is a is a huge issue for us. Uh, <laughs> he's athletically you know, made, made in that way, that, like he looks like a professional athlete. Um, so listen, it, it's going to be up to him, but it's up to Mayo County Board to put structures around him, uh, try to keep him in the, in the country, set him up with a, with Joe, that he's not going to be left just kind of high and dry. And that, that that's what all, how did McShane come back? How did yeah. all these guys come back? Yeah. They didn't just come back to say, go and work in the cool camps for the, for the summer. Do you know, they, they came back. They working for that services with the Wolf. Like. Yeah, with the Wolf, yeah. You know, <laughs> set up, so, set up a castle bear office. But there, there's plenty. You're probably uh, thinking of it, are you? Yeah, but there's plenty, of big, there's plenty of big industry in Mayo and it's it's up to us to look after him and make it attractive both on a footballing point of view and a professional point of view for him to stay. Like for all the, for all the contenders, like it is, I suppose it was more of a threat, I think, at certain at certain stages. But when the AFL is sniffing around your top talent, that is so clear. Like especially when you see Tyrone aren't winning all Ireland if they haven't got McKenna coming up those moments of magic and McShane coming off the bench. And Colin McShane was gone. Like Colin McShane was on the plane and Tyrone pulled out all the stops. And like there was a lot of talk of David Clifford a couple of years ago and Kerry making sure that they had everything in place that Clifford had the right structure around them to stay. It's a, it's a big call for a lot of counties. It's a big thing, Tommy. It's not all sunshine and roses down there. I think 
it's been around so long now. Initially, when it came around, it was like this paradise for players to go over there and living in the in the sun and being paid to play down there. What a lifestyle! I think it's developed now. People have come back. It hasn't all been like say sunshine and roses. Of course, there's success stories like Pierce Hanley and, and Zach Tilly and these guys, Mark O'Connor's down there with Jalan. But then you see guys like Tommy Walsh coming back and probably didn't happen as much for him. Or you see Kieran Kilkenny with Dublin was gone as well and came back. And I know there's not a thing in the world he changed for that with the experience he's had at home with his club and with his county. Connor Glass and Derry. And you asked the two boys, McKenna and McShane, exactly. It just means more doing it here. You know, it's not always the, the, the appeal of it if you have success at home with your own county, with your own club, with your own family and friends. So I don't think it's as big a lure as, as it might have been maybe five, six, seven years ago. And players should always be aware of that. And have, have, like I say, have the right people around you that you can have a chat with this about um, because it's a massive decision. But um, the boys were definitely vindicated this year for Tyrone. There's no two ways about it. Andy, quickly, could I, I forgot to ask you for your moment of the year. I don't think I asked that question earlier on. You went for Began versus Morgan. What? The Ulster final. I, I just thought it was unbelievable. I, I thought it. I thought you seen a transition in football and football goalkeepers in in front of your eyes in the Ulster final. And I was had no grow to any team. Nothing like didn't really mind who won it. And it's very un, unusual to get yourself into that moment watching a sporting event and being excited about it. And. Uh, I was, and I, I have to say, I thought it was absolutely... I was shouting in my own sitting room here at Mana and Beach Road, like I was like, what has gone wrong with my life? But yeah, no, listen, I thought, I thought, it, was, I thought it was incredible. And uh, particularly Began on the day, I thought Began was just... I thought it was a bit rogue. I thought it was a bit mad, but I thought it, I, it was definitely my moment of year. Well, Andy, if you're questioning yourself about picking two goalkeepers going up against each other in an Ulster final... I'm going to hazard a guess and say that Paddy Andrews is questioning himself for his own decision for the moment of the year. Paddy, what did you go for? Uh, COVID, Tyrone. No, you didn't. You went for Mayo beating Dublin. Come on, Paddy! No, we didn't. <laughs> I did not go for it. Yeah, it's, it's oh, you Andrews. did? Oh, sorry. I misread your message. I let it down. <laughs> later on. Ah, shit. Well, he's trying to trip me up. Like, no, I, I wasn't. I wasn't trying to trip you up there. I genuinely, I genuinely misread. I genuinely misread. Uh, it, so. that, <laughs> you, wrote, you wrote it in the WhatsApp and I copied it in. I thought I... It I is, but I'm not putting wrong. that in. Okay. Paddy, quickly, your, your moment of the year. <laughs> yeah, I'm not getting sucked into it. Now, uh, I went a bit of, I thought, Brown pulling out of the championship, just in terms of an off-the-pitch thing, was incredible to, to hear. I remember it came through on Twitter, and you're like, this is not the mini-leagues, lads. You can't just give a walkover under 10 Saturday morning type thing. Tyrone basically throwing it back onto the GAA. Yeah. It was such a unique thing. The GAA had done so well, I suppose, to, to run off last year's championship and get it done, yeah. even though it was at Christmas time with no fans, and, and to, to get to where they've got to this season with, with no real setbacks. It was inevitable something was going to happen around COVID. Uh, and for Toronto to turn around and basically say, yeah, we're forfeiting this, good luck. I thought it was an incredible moment. I thought it was brilliant because it just put all the pressure on the GAA and the GAA, they kind of, they, they had to, Steed and give Tyrone what they were looking for. So yeah. a little bit off script, uh, off the pitch, but uh, I thought that was that was a, an interesting moment to say the least. Is, is there is there a saying that like sometimes you gotta be willing to lose it all to win it all? And they were just willing to give it away. They said, 
We can't compete. That's like a Mariah Carey song or something. Yeah, yeah, nice actually. Maybe Whitney Houston, perhaps. Yeah, I like it. And like they were just they just went and they they were willing to they said put it as Paddy says, back on the J. This is what's happening. You either want us, you know, remember there was a one with Mikko. Remember Mikko? Mikko said about the Kerry boys, well, if we can't wear these jerseys, we're not going to be there. And the J said, right, you're going to throw you. And there was another <laughs> story. And they said, right, then five days before, they said, okay, you're allowed to wear the jerseys. And Mikko went up and went to Ireland. So, like, Joe, you know, they, they stuck to their principles, stuck to their guns. And the, Paddy said after the Ulster final, when Dewar and Lowe, when they won it, when a manager wins something, now you can believe in them. Mm. But, like, when they stick to you and they trust you, and they know you're 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 a man you're 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 a management of your world, and they were willing to just go okay, we're giving it all away, and then whoa, talk about the trust that they given them boys, you know? Yeah, one hundred percent. I'm gonna. We had a, a slot in here for make one change for next year, Andy. Yours is structure, but I think we're going to come back to structure, um, possibly next week or the week after when we're talking ahead of special congress. And Paddy, I can't, I, I'm looking at my message here. I don't think you had a change for next year. Am I right in saying that? I wanted to move on quickly. Did you have I one? was heading back down to the beach at that point. You were, you were I didn't get around to that one. <laughs> totally fair. We'll come back to changes. I want one player each to watch. Paddy, can you give me your player to watch in 2022? Who are you excited to see next year? I think, I, did I put Reno O'Neill? You did? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm loving what Armagh are doing. Um we are we touching this? You want new teams coming through, like you want. I'd love to see Parrick and Devo get get Galway going. I'd love to see Mead kind of kick on. And, and I know they didn't get back to Division One, but you want new teams joining Dublin, Kerry, the Mayo's at the last day. That's what's great to see. Tyrone come out of the pack, and all of a sudden, Tyrone are massive contenders next year. It just makes it a better championship. And for me, Armagh on that journey, even though McGeady's been there a while, we touched on them a lot during the National League. They get a proper Division One next year, back to, to at least seven games against all the top teams. The way they play, it's no coincidence they were probably involved in the game of the championship in the Ulster semi-final against Monaghan. Marino mm. is a massive, massive part of that. Uh, I think he's, if he was in any of the other counties, you know, we, we touched on this a lot, he'd be an absolute superstar. He already is a superstar, but seeing him in a proper... Division one next year. Yeah. And I'm trying to take the next steps uh, in, in the Ulster Championship as well. That'd be I'm exciting. Excited. I'm excited to so, see him. Andy, you went for Andy. Uh, sorry, Andy, you didn't go for Andy more. Andy, you went for Rian O'Neill as well, but you, you also Appreciate both. It. Paddy had a, another man in there. Paddy had Connor Glass in there. And Andy, you had Connor Glass number one in your player to watch next year. Yeah, so I Glass, uh, for obvious reasons, we mentioned him. I think Terry would have a big year. Uh, I think he's just I think he's just incredible athlete. He's just and like he gets a he, as McKenna's going to do, develops still a bit raw, develops his kick and gets in there. O'Neill is just a brilliant player. Just a brilliant player. Like you're talking about having the body to go and compete at intercounty level. He's six foot one, six foot two, lean, both feet, can kick from fifty yards. Whoa, he's got everything. And then the other fellow I put in was McCurry because McCurry is devils in his closet from 16 where he had the equalising shot to, to put it over and he, he's, they're gone. He's cleared them. He's won his All-Ireland. He's, he's, clear, he's free to go now. And I think in 2022, if McCurry comes in with the right attitude and, and then Paddy knows it as an inside forward, if you, if you come in and you're free to play and you don't have oh. that hanging over you, you're, and I think McCurry now has that, and it's uh, it may have affected him slightly in the semi-final, but in the final he scores one four, gets man of the match. He's freedom to go now. And what, what age is he? What age is Darren? Twenty eight, is he? 
I'm not sure. He could be a little bit older. I would have thought he was a little bit older. I looked that up here now. And I think if you're saying that about Darren McCurry, I think you could also say it about Conor McKenna, somebody who admitted himself hasn't played his best football yet. I'd be excited to see that. Like, no surprise there, Conor McKenna next year in action. Seeing him for five. No, yeah, Conor Glass, I am looking forward to seeing that Derry team next year. And Andy, I know you've picked Derry as one of your teams to watch in 2022. Yeah, I think I think the, the, the key thing next year for the likes of, like, Donegal and Monandans are sitting at home and they're absolutely kicking themselves. Like, they're kicking themselves. And the reason for that is Monan could have bet Tyrone out would they have went on with all Ireland probably not but like they know they have the number on Tyrone so they're so excited by this now Tyrone have got but Donegal over the course of the last five years have been probably like I picked Tyrone to win the last five Ulster titles and they haven't won it you know so I got them this year but they'd lost Donegal had their number for the last while so I think they're an exciting team and then Derry are the team then to come and to to really put it up to these uh, I suppose established Division 1 teams and I think they've got a really good coach, a coach with All-Ireland winning uh, pedigree in Rory Galler. And I think they have a huge chance. Plus that, he was a young coach when he was in with McGuinness in 12. He's now experienced. He's got two guys o- over who've both played AFL first, first team games. They're going to be a huge addition. And um, I, I, I just think the Ulster Championship is huge. But I do think Donegal have to be eyeing what Tyrone have just done and just go, lads, if we get our house in order here, we've got a huge chance to go and really push on for an All-Ireland title. Donegal are kicking themselves Andy, because they were the best team in Ulster for the last yeah. four or five years and they yeah. never and they didn't win the All-Ireland. They underperformed the games and that's, there's, there's without a doubt a envy, jealousy nearly looking down. When we Absolutely. were the top team in Ulster, we, we didn't get it done and Tyrone come along in one fell swoop with a new, mm-hmm. new coaching team and in one year, get it done. And win a hard All-Ireland. So, so, of course, teams are looking at that, particularly up in Ulster down. Jesus Christ. And Monaghan the same. Monaghan, they won a couple of Ulster champions under Malachi O'Rourke. Couldn't get over the line. And Tyrone come in. One go. One and done. So, of course, there's envy there, I'd say. Yeah, and you had Derry in your team as well, Paddy. So, Darren McCurry is 28, by the way. You made a championship debut. Young gun. 2012. So, he was, he was only 19, I think, back then. Right, lads. Well done. That's the end of season. Football Pod Awards after 2021. It's been a pleasure for the last 20 episodes. So thanks very much for all the hard work and your honesty throughout. Fair play to you. Paddy, we cannot finish this podcast without mentioning the very sad passing of Anto Finnegan this week. He's a former Antrim captain. He suffered with motor neuron disease, a terrible disease for the past decade, I believe. And he passed away earlier this week. He's somebody that I would have seen a lot appearing in photos with the Dublin team over the last couple of years. Can you talk to us a bit about Anto and how you got to know him over the last few years? Yeah, well, I think it was 2012 originally, the diagnosis, and it's just, I think it was 48 when he passed away, incredibly young, and he just, any, anything like that, particularly in the GA community, because it's such a tight-knit community, the kind of county allegiances and things like that go out the window when you see you know, a GAA player of any level going through the challenges with that and such a horrendous disease for, for a guy with, with, with two kids and, and his wife behind me seeing her comments. It's just, it's heartbreaking stuff. And I'd like to think the GAA, as a, as a community there, with, with all the rivalries and things there, when you see someone like that, yeah, and everything that that stands for going through the challenges. I, I know Jim, Jim Gavin would have been very close and we went up and played a challenge game up in a, the King, Kingspan Stadium now, the, the old Ravenhill in, in support and in, in raising awareness for, for motor neurons disease. And just that the personality of, of Anto, he came to one of our all our, our medal nights. And just despite everything and the challenges he's going on, and 
you know, in, in his forties to pass away, knowing that that that's coming imminently down the tracks. It is, it's just his personality. It just never seemed to get him down. I'm, I'm sure it did, but, but but the bravery, I suppose, he showed and his family showed and fighting that disease and awareness and, and the charity work he did right till the very end. It's inspirational for anyone involved with GAA to, to see his mentality about that. It's how he was as a player and, and how he carried himself through his illness. And it's heartbreaking to see. Very sad. You can see the outpouring on, on Twitter from all over the country and, and, and for his two kids and, and, and his wife. Very sad, but talk about the way he carried himself through that challenge. It says everything about the man. And, you know, I think it reflects really well in the GAA that, that the support around that though and the work he's done. Um, just a, a sad day when he finally passed away this week. Well said, Paddy. Yeah, and obviously such a terrible disease and he's done a lot for it over the last over the last decade, you know, and, and go, even going public with it, 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 I'm sure it would have helped some people as well, just seeing that and, and how he spoke about it. I know he spoke about it uh, on the pitch in Crow Park, I think before the Dublin Tyrone game in 2017 too. So um, commiserations to his family and Paddy, well said. That is episode 20 of the Football Pod. We will be back. We'll leave it with you there with that. Thanks very much for listening in to everyone over the summer. Stay with us. We've plenty more planned to keep you company over the next couple of weeks and months as we head into the off-season of the GA. Paddy Andrews, thank you very much. I'm going back to Italy, lads. Catch up with you next week. <laughs> Thanks, Andy. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs>